The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Uh, this is the Comic Book Chronicles and I am one of your hosts, Rodicat. And you can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. And you can find me at, at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. And sound effects you have heard come from a none other than our man in Brooklyn one agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Hmm. What do I go with? <laughs> it must be nice to have choice. Straight up Brooklyn in the house, representing. Not a bad choice. Not a bad choice indeed. Um, yes. Comic Chronicles, where you can find us at the Coastal of the Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and uh, leave us the five-star reviews. Yo. Um, sorry, a little off today because one, we started a little late because of gremlins and this buzzing in my headphones is not helping any bit. But you know what? We're going to soldier on uh, with... Uh, first of all, like we said last week, we were going to have some impressions of some... Uh, of um, Some... Uh, some shows and we're going to start off with actually a movie and that would be prey which is the predator sequel uh, predator prequel excuse me right and i don't think roddy cat had an opportunity to watch this so i will nope. be the one agent underscore 70 will be the one just giving the broadest stroke impressions non-spoilery because you know we're just trying to spare roddy cat any and all spoilers here i can just say that uh, I unequivocally, unequivocally say that this is one of the best Predator movies right next to the original Predator movie. It is well acted. It is well shot. The effects are good. It's, um, it's amazing that they diverted this to Hulu as opposed to doing it theatrically. And, and I know there are several business reasons for having diverted this to Hulu way back when. It made some sense. It's not like Predator has been the biggest box office draw ever. But at the end of the day, I think this movie would have spread by the, the quality of this movie would have spread by word of mouth and would have gotten some people into the box office. 
you know, the movie's set in 1719, so this is, uh, you know, colonial America. You know, we're following a, a, a Comanche, uh, a small branch of the Comanche nation, nation. and, uh, you know, we run into the main character who is uh, Naru, her, played by Amber Mid-Thunder, who is, you know, this is like a tour de force for her. You know, I know that she was in the Legion show previously. I did not watch that Legion show because I don't I'm not down with any of the X-Men adaptations until Feige has a chance at it. So I haven't watched any of the uh, X-Men adaptations uh, uh, that were put out by Fox and Friends, uh, you know, shots at them. Right. So ultimately, I can just say that this was a ton of fun. It has the spirit of the original Predator. A lot of the action scenes are pretty inventive. Uh, there is, of course, some you know girl power in here. If you're not down with that, then you're really listening to the wrong show here. But I really appreciated what you know what they did in this in this uh, in this movie with this character. You know, she's fighting you know the, her version of the patriarchy in in in, in the tribal uh, you know in her tribal setting which is you know obviously very real and and has been very real for centuries so seeing her overcome some of that and even some patriarchal tendencies by the predator that's the mildest that's the mildest spoiler i can put in but ultimately i highly recommend this movie it's a lot of fun you will be um on the edge of your seat even though you're at home you won't find yourself hitting pause unless you want to replay a quick action sequence. You won't find yourself hitting pause to go to the bathroom. You will actually want to sit there and watch this movie continuously. So uh, please, if you have access to Hulu, please hit that, hit, you know, hit up the service and watch Prey as soon as you possibly can. Okay. I've, I've, I feel like uh, Prey not hitting the theaters is, is the same reason why, one, Batgirl got canceled and, or similar reasons, I should say, Batgirl got canceled and a lot of stuff that went to HBO Max uh, did similarly. similarly. Right. I mean, yeah, especially the stuff that, that wasn't early in the pandemic. Right. Like, like, like uh, Godzilla King Kong. You know, that one would definitely have been in the theaters. It was just a matter of when it dropped during the pandemic. Right. So, so. but yeah, I'm looking forward to, to checking it out. Like I said, is like I told agent 70 before the show and, and some people may know this, like if it's some things that are heavily hyped, I tend to shy away from until the hype dies down, but this is probably one that I'm going to, going to check out. And I'm kind of upset because I didn't read that Predator book from this week that came out, which has nothing to do with the movie. But Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have anything to do with the movie, but I read it. It was, you know, like, I'm not that big a fan of the Predator franchise. I read it just out of curiosity, obviously on the heels of watching the Prey movie. It's more salient, you know, at the forefront of my, at the front of my mind, right? Right. So, but, um, yeah, but it was, it was good. Yeah, but this seems like the kind of thing, we'll we'll get to that later, because this seems like a Ed Brisson's alley, put it that way. So, definitely, definitely. And but, folks, it has been yet another week. <laughs> it is time for some. Uh, I am not blaming anything on the alcohol because you know I'm I'm you know it's uh you know for me like Homer said it's the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. For me, it's the solution tonight. Lato. 
Um, yeah, I almost joined him because of the grimness we were having getting the show together. Uh, I thought that was Titan. Hmm. Good question. Well, in any event, hmm. while Roddy Cat deals with that, I'm going to move on to the next bit of pop culture television that we received uh, this week. This past week, you know, uh, this past weekend, and I was able to essentially binge this in tandem with Netflix's Sandman. What I am referring to is Paper Girls on Amazon Prime. So this is a book by Brian K. Vaughn, uh, Cliff Chang, and I forget who the other creator is on this, the colorist. But this is a Brian K. Vaughn book. And I enjoyed this for uh, a bunch of reasons. I felt like... They really developed the characters of the four paper girls as well as a lot of the supporting cast in the eight episodes that we have gotten so far in this show. And they obviously set up a, uh, a, a sequel to this because there is a cliffhanger at the end of the eighth episode. The four paper girls are Aaron, Mac, KJ, and Tiffany. And they end up working on Hell Day, which is... A little, you know, maybe it's something that I remember as a kid. I didn't, I forgot that Hell Day is essentially November 1st, uh, the day after Halloween, which I know is All Saints Day. Right? So, you know, maybe right. like the, you know, the, the religious bent that, that I have on it came later. I think maybe the Hell Day thing came when I was a kid and I, that's how I recognized it. So, ultimately, they end up working their paper girl shift on hell day and a bunch of stuff happens and uh this there's no way to avoid this particular spoiler it's a time travel shenanigan show that was in the trailer anyway so right so you know that's really the that's really the hook to the show and ultimately if you're not a fan of time travel I understand. I'm not that big a fan of time travel. It kind of irked me that Avengers Endgame centered around time travel, you know, a time heist. But at the end of the day, that's one of the, you know, foundational tropes in science fiction and superhero fiction storytelling. We cannot avoid that. So bottom line is this is a fairly... Uh, interesting and somewhat novel way of we're getting mad messages yo um <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> you know we're getting mad messages here so what i was gonna say is it's 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 not comp it's not a completely novel way of working a time travel story there are elements that would seem familiar to you like a time travel quote-unquote authority not exactly like the tva but there's also a counter group against this version of the time variance authority that we know from Marvel and, and the, uh, and the Loki show. Right. So, uh, that, you know, that those two factions are essentially at war with each other and the paper girls find themselves caught in between just because they happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the, then the journey that they go on is, really interesting like i said they develop these characters so so well hmm. so i definitely recommend paper girls season one episodes one through eight wholeheartedly i hope you can make time to watch this show 
Right. Or as as going back to something you just said, they were meant to be there. It was going to be found out that they were meant to be there because they are you know, X, Y, and Z, which, you know, da, 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 as some things tend to happen with, with time. With time travel. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So ultimately what it comes down to is uh, if you have time now, if you can make time now before Game of Thrones, uh, which we call it. Uh, um, oh, they're still doing that? Huh. Yeah, that's coming out soon. It's coming out in like a, like two weeks. Huh. So if you can make time between now and that next game. Of, uh, I forget what it's called. Um, Whatever the prequel is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she See, now I'm, I'm, I'm kicking myself for not for not remembering it offhand. Uh, it like House of Dragons or something like that? Uh, I'm totally looking this up now because I'm frustrated. Yeah. And how uh, and She Hulk comes out next week, by the way, since we're since we're talking about stuff that's about to come out. Right, right, right. Exactly. Thanks for reminding me. I definitely I definitely had that on my yeah, House of the Dragon. Hmm. Right? So House of the Dragon comes out in two weeks, She Hulk comes out next week. Um so you have a limited amount of time before that and you know, we're we're you know, we're not far from Rings of Power, the Lord of the Rings coming out on Amazon Prime. So if you can squeeze in these eight episodes of Paper Girls, I highly recommend it. Next up, next up is something I think a lot of people never thought they would ever see because it's been a candidate for adaptation for 30 years since this book came out, right? What I am speaking of is The Sandman, by Neil Gaiman, right? The original artist on the original uh, launch of the book was Sam Keith. And, um, you know, if you're familiar with this book, I applaud you. I remember being in high school and the literate nerds were the ones who read Sandman, right? Like the non-superhero comic book people read Sandman. When I got to college, that was the cool book to read the kind and of to the spread around. Book. The kind of the hipster book. Yeah, yeah, like before hipsters really became hipsters, mm-hmm. right? Like in the 90s and the 2000s, right? <laughs> like this is pre- kind of pre-hipster, but it definitely hit, you know, it definitely was a thing during the hipster uh, thing also. Right. You know, um, you know, this was like when like, you know, pre-hipster, like with like the kids who like played hacky sack, you know, and played the guitar on the quad and all that stuff. Yo, that's. That brings back some memories of college for me, yo. Like early, like early mid '90s for me. You know, I was listening to hip hop and reading superhero comics, and these kids were, you know, playing hacky sack and reading Sandman. Mm-hmm. They'd ask me, be like, "Yo, you're into comics? Why don't you read Sandman?" I'm like, "Man, that's not for me. <laughs> that's not what I'm looking for." Right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I knew friends that did both, that read both, that read superhero stuff and read Sandman. And I, I, I'm giving a, a, an old friend of mine from college, one of the few people I still keep in, co- in contact with from college, who was a big fan of Neil Gaiman's work. Uh, I wanted to give him a week to watch it before I uh, hit him up with whether or not he's watched it. And, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm probably going to message him over the weekend and, and ask him if he's watched it. I know he's probably... Uh, got things to say about this, but ultimately I was able to binge it in tandem with Paper Girls. And let me tell you, it you know I was able to get through Paper Girls a lot quicker because you know I, I definitely was able to follow its story a lot easier. The game and story here 
is a little bit more difficult to keep up with, especially early on. The very first, let's say, like two episodes to the first four or five episodes, like the first four episodes involve a very odd way to start the story. Now, I know this is relatively faithful to the comic. And maybe this is why I've always had trouble with reading like the first issue of Sandman because I never, I, I, I was never able to get into the fact that the main character, you know, is kind of, I don't want to spoil this. I, I'll, I'll put this into sports ball terms as Roddy Cat hates, you know, hates it when I do it this way. But the, basically the, the title character, the lead character is on the bench for like the first issue or two. Right? He's literally on the bench and a bunch of not subs, but definitely supporting characters are in the lead for the first like two, three issues in the comic. And it's much the same in the first like one or two or three episodes of the Netflix Sandman adaptation. Now, one benefit that this adaptation has is that Neil Gaiman is intimately working with this adaptation. He is he is named as an executive producer. He is he has he put together. It seems like he put the, together the adaptation together with um, uh, David S. Goyer and Alan Heinberg, who we know from uh, other shows as well as the Young Avengers. So um, I can say that he is. He has his hands on this show and all of the small changes and the things that they adapt and streamline were at his behest and with his blessing because he was, he, it's almost certain that he was made aware of all of the small changes they needed to make to the story so that they could adapt it to screen. So um, I feel confident that anyone who was a faithful re- a faithful reader of the Sandman comic will appreciate some of the some of the changes they made in order to make the story flow better on screen. One of the things that I heard that really rung true to me, it definitely rung true to me, was something that both. Well, I want to say Mark Bernardin said. I was listening to, um, uh, uh, I think they streamed it yesterday, the uh, uh, the latest Fat Man Beyond episode, and uh, you know that's that's uh, with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin. And I think Mark Bernardin said uh, in his review of the Sandman that um, each episode is better than the each following episode is better than the previous one. And that is high praise. That's actually, I think, yeah. a very accurate assessment of this series, this 10-episode series. Because it definitely bu- – each episode builds upon the previous one. And it is a credit to the story and a credit to the storytellers of this adaptation that they're able to pull that off that each following story is better than the last and it's better executed. It's better shot. It just keeps getting better. So you don't find yourself with any lulls. There's no mid season slump, you know, like the, like what we kind of get with the, um, with the Disney plus MCU shows. We don't have that here. Each episode keeps getting better and better than the, than the previous one. So, I think that is the best kind of praise that I can second, 
you know, originally stated by Mark Bernardin, but I am definitely seconding seconding that emotion. Shout out to uh, Smokey and the Miracles. Um, there's our there's this just one music reference of of many to come, folks. Um, I definitely second that because I I agree wholeheartedly with that. I think that's a great way of looking at this. I think the acting in this is 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 good. Um, I saw one criticism that morpheus wasn't pale enough i'm like come on man they're not gonna they're not gonna paint him you know they're not gonna give him like full body paint you know he's just gonna be pale well given given the flight they've given to you know the the young lady that's playing death and gwendolyn christie's who's uh who's playing whatever she's playing or lucifer you know i'm not surprised by that right Right, but that's, I mean, that's like, you know, that that's being, like, nitpicky. You know, obviously, with the, uh, with the, uh, the, the swap of, of, of death be, uh, turning her into a black woman, uh, I underst- I, 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 I sort of understood it because that death character is iconic looking. You know, with the, with the way she's drawn, especially, I think, by Chris, uh, Chris Pachalo. Um, I definitely understand it, but at the same time, once I saw her step... Uh, once I saw her step onto the screen with the onk around her neck, I knew who it was. I was like, oh, okay, I, I dig it. That's cool. And her acting and the, the, the episode is phenomenal. I have to say, I don't know if I actually made this clear when I first started talking about Sandman. I've never read Sandman. I think I, I, think I did mention I've only ever able, been able to get through the first issue and I couldn't bring myself to the second one because I was just thrown off by the fact that the the main character is on the sidelines. It's kind of dense, so, also reportedly. It definitely is. It definitely is. I'm not against dense comics, right? I'm definitely, I definitely, I definitely lean towards artistic focused comics. That's not even, you know, that's that that's you know that's I, I, that's not even an understatement. Obviously. You know, I, I came up at the time at a time when the, the the founders of Image were in their heyday and then broke away from Marvel. So I definitely bought a lot of comics based on the art. Um, but this was also right around the time that Sandman dropped, and that's a comic that really inspired a lot of people to quote unquote take comics more seriously. So right. at the end of the day. I, I, I also recommend The Sandman. You do not have to have read the source material in order to enjoy this. Same thing with Paper Girls. But, you know, if you want a little extra, you know, as people tend to do with uh, anime and manga, hey, if you want to, you know, seek, that, seek it out because you like the show, go for it. Definitely. That's def- you know what's funny about that? That's one way of looking at it. You know, I did the same thing with My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that much like Lord of the Rings, which is essentially my frame of reference when it comes to watching something and then going back to the source material. Okay. Watching the first Lord of the Rings movie gave me visual reference and story reference so that I could sit down and read through the three books. Right. Right. I did not read through the three books in junior high school like every other nerd. Right, I know a lot of nerds that I came up with read The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy in junior high school, maybe even late elementary school. Or were supposed to. I, 
Yeah. <laughs> right. No, but I know that they did. Right. I know like old buddies of mine who, you know, they were they were never like that into comics, but they were into a little bit of fantasy. So they read Lord of the Rings. You know, these are like my my uh, my junior high school D and D buddies. I was about to say. Right. Some of them. <laughs> right. Some of them I'm still buddies with to this day. To this day. Hmm. Right? Oh, then you're going to enjoy you and or they are going to enjoy some news we have later on. Right. So bottom line is. I watched the first Lord of the Rings movie not being that familiar with the source material. And like I said, it gave me that frame of reference and, you know, that visual reference, the story reference to jump into the source material, see what they excised for the adaptation. You know, what Peter Jackson decided wasn't going to be, was not going to be included in the film, even in the extended edition, shout out to uh, Tom Bombadil. And... Uh, you know, and, and, and you start to figure out why those decisions were made. And I was able to use that as a springboard to finish the last two books. And I was able to read the trilogy the, to complete the trilogy before Two Towers came out and obviously before Return of the King came out. So that can be a way for you to more easily digest some of the source material. So. That is one way to approach this. You do not necessarily have to read the source material first. You can actually go circle back after you watch and read the source material and take it in with a different set of eyes. And I think that uh, that is one way to enjoy both the shows and the source material. And that is it for me. I've covered now three bits of pop culture in about 20 some odd minutes. Uh, side note, there was an article, I don't know if you saw it, that Peter Jackson was is kind of out there divorcing himself from those mo- the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, no. Oh, oh, you mean from the show or from the movies? Well, there was something about that, too, because I think there was like, yeah, they said they were going to send him some scripts for the show, but they never did, something like that, or I think this what one article said. But no, there was another... Yeah, but there was another article that sounded like he was... I don't know how, I don't know, I, I just saw the title of it and I kind of just skimmed the article about he was, it seemed like he was divorcing himself from the movies even to the point of hypnotizing himself. I don't know how true that part is, but I saw hypnotizing in the, in somewhere in the either title or whatever the case may be. And I'm sitting here like, what? But yeah, it sounds like, I don't know, he, he might have been trying to divorce himself from the movies because of some odd reason. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mindy. So I don't know. I had to go back and, and I, I didn't pull it for the show, but I, I did see it. And I was like, I, I don't know whether I was going to pull it or not. But um, either way, that was a thing. So I will go ahead and say uh, before we move on that I have not seen any of these stuff. That's why I didn't say too much about any of them. And I have not read either the source of materials for Paper Girl and Sandman, Sandman either. Um, but I know Tim, uh, one of our hosts, Tim, did read paper girls and sound like he did not have a chance to check out the show yet so maybe we will yet give his impressions get his impressions at some point when uh he's able to that being said we're gonna move on to the comics of the week Uh, and i believe we said we were going to start off with amazing spider-man number seven yes Uh, let me get my sheet my show notes loaded up. Mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man number seven is written by Zeb Wells with art by John Romita Jr. Inks by Scott Hanna 
colors by Marcio Meniz and uh, letters by, I believe it's Joe Caramagna. I have a typo in my... Uh, I believe you're right because that's probably what Yes, it is. VC's Joe Caramagna. Mm-hmm. Yep. Indeed. So, I'm just going to go right off the bat and say we still do not have the one piece of information that we are sorely looking for. However, we do get a little more background uh, into the some aspects of previous events because this uh, story seems to be taking place about uh, well, definitely a few months or a little while before the Hellfire Gala. We do know that much. And <laughs> After whatever happened, happened, but before the start of this volume, seems like. I think that's accurate enough to say. Um, because we are basically getting uh, Peter being, as, as Norman said, headhunted by Norman Osborn. Basically, Norman Osborn's giving him the big, the big sailing to try to get him to work for Oscorp, um, which we know is going to end up happening. We do get shades of the new suit. We we got uh, we got the new suit. But we also got a little uh, background into the situation between he and Mary Jane. Not much, or and definitely not what happened. Uh, but uh, apparently, uh, uh, we get a little bit uh, on that situation because uh, Mary Jane ends, uh, Peter ends up running into Mary Jane and her uh, boy new new man boyfriend i don't know who the heck she is that she had his child with uh in six months which is a still right. a stick in a craw but um right. like we don't know if they're just stepchildren that's the thing so right but but obviously we're it's meant we're meant to be thrown off because the little kid looks a lot like mj yes. with red hair yes you know I'll, I'll drink to how confusing this is <laughs> so so there is that um also, so there was an intern. I don't know if you noticed this or not, and I didn't. Oh pick yeah, up on of course. This. And she says her name, so yes, it's not like it. I know, and that's the part that bothers me because, and it could be JRJR's art that that's that messes with me here because I'm like, wait, I did not know that was who that was until uh, until she it's said her goggles. name. Uh, it's the goggles. It's more than it was more than just that. Um, but I'm sitting here like, wait, that's supposed to be Kamala. Because <laughs> that didn't look anything, you know. I mean, you know, obviously, you have a set picture in your mind as to what Kamala looks like at this point. And having there being a book that I read previously to this, um, with her in it from this week, I'm sitting here like that. Don't okay, sure, all right. No, no. I, I was about to say I didn't bump on that. I thought it was the goggles because yeah. I, I definitely, you know, especially with the updo. You know, we don't see her with an updo. That, that's also true, exactly, and that's part. That was part of it. It's like that's 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 a right, but, uh, but it also and plus she looks kind of older. No, but it made sense for the setting that we're that that she's in because she's wearing a lab coat to boot. So sure. at the end of the day, or no, not a lab coat. She's actually wearing like um, no, she's in a like, lab coat. A, like a hazmat suit, like a lab suit, right? Like but a the fact that she, a coat, but it's right. definitely like a, a lab suit. But the fact that she was there at all was also part of the thing. Like, when did this happen? Uh, obviously, you know, this is something, you know. I don't know if this well, is going to come back as... Meant, hmm? 
go ahead. I was going to say, finish your thought, and then I'll jump in. Oh, I was about to say, because this is nothing that has come up, and she doesn't have a current book at this point, outside of the um, the, the team-up book that she's that's starting this week, but which I, that has anything to, to do with this, but... Um, Right. Been nothing I was, was going to say said. that's probably that's probably why she's going to be sprinkled in in different books. Right. And it makes sense that she'd be in a Spidey book. Maybe why I, you know we're not 100 percent sure why in the Peter book as opposed to the Miles book. That's the other thing. But then, but then we also have a Miles crossover into the Peter story in this issue as well. Kinda. Right at the beginning. Yeah, right well, see, beginning. I, th- I thought about that, but I went and looked for that. Apparently, we'll get to that, but apparently that part also had to do with Peter on oh, the does. particular thing. It does, but the but point is, you're right. what character makes, right. you know, the character has been predominantly in Miles's book. Right. And, and and if I'm not mistaken, the interaction that they had wasn't a Miles book. I believe that's the case. And, and oh, actually, back. No. Because I just, I, I, did, I did the research on that. It was actually um, Amazing Spider-Man 850, apparently, when that happened. When that it was happened. like an anniversary book then. Right. Where, where everyone apparently jumped into Amazing. Right. So, But at the end of the day, what it, what, what it came down to is that a character who is usually predominantly in the pages of Miles found their way into the pages of Peter's book mm-hmm. uh, because of a certain revelation in that issue. And then bottom line... Uh, you know, causes most of the costumed hijinks that occur in this issue. Right. Yeah, particularly at the end of this issue, because like, and you know what, which is weird, because I kind of glossed over the front part uh, before the the title, before the, the, you know, the credits page, and then read into the book. I don't know how I did that. Uh, And then I was like, wait, when did this happen? Then I circled back around to the beginning of the book. I was like, oh, right. Okay. (laughs) That's what caused what happens at the end of this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a, a particular uh, foe of Spider-Man, mm-hmm. which I'm sitting here like, well, that's a, a weird thing to throw in with this other stuff. But I guess it's it, it is definitely going somewhere and lending us to leading us to uh, what was teased in the beginning or in the middle of the book with uh, the suit that I mentioned earlier, because we are, we do know that uh, Peter presumably Peter is getting a new suit if mm-hmm. he, if he makes it out of this issue. <laughs> I mean, we're going to assume that he does. But bottom that. line is, I, I share Roddy Cat's frustration. We still don't know. We're, you know that we're, we're definitely watching Zeb Wells play a, an incredibly long game mm-hmm. uh, here with, with, with Peter and MJ and figuring out what on earth Peter did to alienate himself and his costumed identity from MJ, from the Fantastic Four, from the other heroes, from everybody. From Aunt May, right. so we're still stuck seven issues in figuring, trying to figure out what happened. You know, and and I will dare say it still has hooks in me. I can't speak for Agent Seventy in this because we're like, okay, that is in, that and a couple other things are, are an interesting enough hook to kind of keep me there here for a little bit longer. I think I'm just reading it because I, I, I I'm annoyed and frustrated, and obviously we're doing it for. Uh, you know, uh, review and educational purposes. You know, I don't have to read anything for that reason, but you know, so, but like, no, there's, for me, it's, there is a, there is that, but it's also a genuine interesting. I'm not going to just read something just because like, it's it's here for us to go over. So, um, well, I mean, there's definitely a few things I, 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 I differ a little bit in that because I'll look at it and be like, Oh, you know what? 
this might be interesting, and we have access to it. Yeah. So, oh yeah, there's for, there's that for the yeah. good of the sh- for the good of the show, and maybe for my own edification and uh, and and expansion of my horizons. <laughs> I'll read something that's not always you know. I think Roddy Cat was 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 surprised that I read Dark Crisis number three. I think it was last yes, week. That was from last week. Yeah. Right. So I was like, you know what? Let me read this and see what the hell they're doing. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, actually, I knew there was something I was uh, meant to say. Um, and I, now I just lost him again. Um, oh, I, it'll come back up. There was something I was going to mention about something uh, with one of those shows you mentioned earlier um, that I was going to bring up something about, but I can't remember what it is. So we're going to move on. Um uh, it's it's been a long day, folks. So <laughs> hell yeah, I will drink to that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that whole this whole thing. Friend, is, I've got my friend Jack Daniel, who is not a sponsor of the show, but he's a but he's a friend to most, unless you have a, a particular you know problem. Uh, so yeah, seriously, like safe, if, if 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 you find yourself not wanting one drink but ten drinks. You might have a problem, so yeah, please contact. You know, please, please try to find your local um, AA group right away. Indeed, or seek help somewhere. Try to reverse somewhere, and not being uh, flippant about that. It's serious business. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. So we're going to move on to. I don't know what you want to pick. Something. Oh, uh, we have a lot of books in common. We do. Let me see what you, you know what. I, I've just caught up with this book. I don't know if this was something you wanted to to uh, save for wrap it, but um, I would say either probably Axe or Captain America. Uh, let's do Axe. Okay. Because I rather enjoyed Axe, and I think one of our other co-hosts enjoyed it as well. Indeed, indeed. Okay. Let me pull up. So A-X-E we, that we were calling Axe, uh, as in body spray. Oh, no. This is issue number two. AXE Judgment Day number two of six. So this is written by Kieran Gillen with art by Valerio Schiti. Colors by Marte Gracia and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So if you just give me a moment, I will pull up my review copy. Do you want to just uh, uh, lead off and hand it off when you get when uh, you feel? Yeah, I don't. There's not much I could really say about this book because this is kind of one of those ones like I feel like I'm going to at some point probably go back and read um, to a little bit more completion because there are some it feels like even if you're all, if you're up on this book, there is something you feel like you're missing. That's mm. just my opinion on this. Um, uh, but we're pretty much in the thick of it. Uh, a critical core has been attacked um, or well, we've already seen cores being attacked. Um, the coins are, you know, trying to deal with it. Uh, the Avengers end up coming in for some odd reason, how somehow, some way to kind of lend a hand on the front line and in the background because of uh, a plan they're, they're hatching with, uh, of all people, Mr. Sinister and, um, and uh, Cersei and Ajax, I think. No, it was right. Ajax, not Cersei, because they had uh, Cersei in custody. Uh, to renovate, <laughs> I, I would say, renovate their old home to into a new, um, to back to a new station. 
I would say. At the end of the day, it's more like reanimate. Yes, I didn't want to. I didn't want to say that, but yes, that is the, that is the, very much the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, some so there are some big things that end up coming. Well, I would say some big things, but it's basically a big action issue with like the stuff that's happening in the background, but also some uh, random tertiary characters out in the world that we uh, that we that we see because of this uh and that has that may or may not have something to do with the resurrection protocols of the eternals which was brought up in the uh eternals volume uh which technically kind of sparked this all off um right uh so we so we're kind of getting some some uh some things on that front but all in all it's like a it's pretty much the big battle of Krakoa and uh like I said, this this background plan to to uh wake this uh celestial which I'm sitting here like you know what? Did they not learn from the MCU, first of all? <laughs> because they because let's just say it has partially to do with the the, the brain waves of one Tony Stark, first mm. of all. In a celestial, and if you don't know anything about a celestial, they already are here to judge you. Uh, and that comes up near the end of this book. So if you're using the brain patterns of, of Tony Stark, we know that at one part of the MCU, that did not go well. They even referenced um, uh, um, Ultron and Hank Pym in, in, right. in said panel. I'm like, yeah, you know this is not going to go well. <laughs> you just know this. And sure enough, it kind of goes the way you expect it would at the end of this book, but we'll see uh, what uh, the fallout's going to be in, I guess, the next issue? Mm-hmm. Or in, I guess, in whatever tie-in issues that come up next, or I'm not sure how the... Uh, I didn't look at the the, um, the reading list for this. But regardless, what's coming at, what's coming because of this? So Well, the tie-in issues are going to start coming fast and furious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, much like Dom and his crew are going to start coming in the next over the next month or two. You know, the reading list in August. Actually, the the the, the crossover tie-in issues start, I believe, next week. Mm. You know, yeah. they started started last week, but I think they're going to start in earnest this coming week. Which would make sense, given, like I said, especially what happened in this issue. You know, right, right. It's so. Going to- uh, well, actually, now that I think about it, uh, yeah, because reading Avengers this week, it was like, yes, that's going to be a tie-in issue dealing with the right. Characters. They're putting yeah, Aaron's putting his story on hold, right, so that the Avengers can cross over into Judgment Day, right, with a character that has nothing to do with the current storyline or anything going on with Avengers right now, apparently. So I'm right. interested to see where that's going to go, but we'll see next that next whenever that happens. Right. One of the things I didn't like about this issue is that. And and obviously, it depends on the writer. Mm-hmm. Some writers choose to sideline Thor and some of the more powerful Avengers characters. And obviously, this is one of the most powerful Avengers lineups that we've ever seen. Right? This definitely rivals or even exceeds the power levels of the Avengers under Hickman. And, you know... Obviously, they, they, they task the Avengers with um, being the peacekeepers. You know, I've likened them to, like, UN peacekeepers, 
on previous episodes and right. and I figured that's their role in this crossover right in this in this in this event and that's that's the role that they've taken in this second issue right they're tasked with dealing with the fallout of the battle with these gigantic uh, kaiju things that Druig has unleashed upon the world right a star brand a thor and a phoenix Right. They don't keep those three characters against the kaiju. And Captain Marvel, you know, who's no sponsor. And Captain Marvel and Carol. Yeah. Right? Right. And I thought about it because they basically just like, Avengers came in and was like, hey, we want to help. And and then some battles start in the but with but the, the X-Men slash Krakoans, the mutants basically kind of have it, but they're kind of there. And then it was like, oh, this other thing is happening because of the fallout from these fights. And now the Avengers are gone again. <laughs> right. I'm like, right. I'm like, what's the point? I'm like, I'm like, these are like, like literally like a planet defending power, a world destroying power, mm-hmm. and the god of thunder who's got the power, you know, who, who basically wields the power of the king of Asgard. Right. Right. You're not going to send them against these wannabe kaijus. Right. But that's Kieran Gillen. You know, that's the writer making a decision. Right. Right, not letting Captain America make the tactical decision. <laughs> right, even there was there was that one little you know the little one little exchange between Cyclops and him, which I know it had made the rounds uh, uh, on online. I was like, yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> oh, you mean the, fir- the the first one about why they kept things secret? Right. Right, 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 right. Not the not the second one, which is right. Cyclops saying, "You guys go help. We'll stay here." Right. Right? right, and I'm and, like, come on, man! Right, and, right. and then and um, 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 what we call it being like, see, they're just leaving. I'm like, no, that was that was that was a decision y'all <laughs> when y'all made. Yeah, seriously, I was like, shut up, Exodus. Right, you zealot. <laughs> anyway, I I enjoyed AXE Judgment Day number two, so yeah. it's definitely a candidate for Click of the Week for me. Yeah, like I said, I would imagine this is going to once it's all said and done, it's probably going to read a little bit better. Um, and trade put together a little bit. Mm-hmm. You would probably mm-hmm. still because I don't think when they even when they do that, you would probably still need to go back to the Eternals book, or the last half of the, the Eternals book to kind of get a little background into why this is happening. And again, Avengers, I'm not sure, still not sure why on Earth they are even here. Like, yeah, the whole Peacekeeper thing is is, is whatever, but I was like, they're kind of on a side note. Right, and it's it's more X Men and Eternals than you know. I, I feel like they kind of put X Men uh, Avengers in here to be like, no, we need we need the Avengers, so you know they could, you know, so have something that's that's uh you know we we can't have anything line wide or line wide adjacent uh, if we don't put the adjacent uh, the Avengers in here somehow. So we got to kind of throw them in. That's what it feels yeah, I like. Yeah, I was about to say. I think that's I think that's definitely part of it. I also think that you know much much like. Much like I, much like my line of thinking goes, I think you need a group that's caught in the middle. Perhaps, but I mean, but we have seen in the past that that's, so that's never that's not been the case. But yeah, maybe in this one that it'll bear out a little bit better as it goes. Well, on. considering that not everyone knows the Eternals, so you need a more well-known group. Yeah, to be stuck in the middle. Yeah, that's true. So that's the way I see it. But anyway, yeah, moving on. Point. Uh, shout out to President Bartlett. What's next? Uh, oh, you wanted to do Captain America Sentinel, Sentinel of Liberty number three? Sure, we can. All right, because I know you mentioned it. Yeah. So, 
Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number three is written by former guests of the Comic Book Chronicles, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Art by Carmen Carnero, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. I gotta say, right off the bat, I am actually loving the art by Carmen Carnero in this. I disagree. Oh, okay. <laughs> I disagree because I, you know, I'm distracted by it, and uh-huh. it's it, it's not a good look. Huh. Interesting. But that's just me. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. You know, there's nothing wrong with having differing opinions on the art because at the end of the day, you know, it's you know, it's a, it's a you know, it's a preference. It's a personal preference. You know, we can we can both uh, uh, pick at storytelling and writing choices because that's you know that's that's fair play. But when sure. it comes down to whether or not we like art, um, you know, that's definitely uh, subjective. You know, it's one of the most subjective things we can we can talk about. And tend but, to. Uh, <laughs> right, 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 right. So ultimately, you know, what it comes down to is. Um, you know, this story has uh, has two prongs to it. One of them is Bucky dealing with the ongoing saga of Peggy Carter. And, you know, I hesitated to say that because I didn't necessarily want to spoil the fact that Peggy Carter is alive in this comic book timeline. But it's been an open secret for a while now going back to Ta-Nehisi Coates' run previous to to this run. And I feel like you mentioned it then. Right. And so uh, Lansing and Kelly have done a good job in picking up uh, the ball from the end of Coates' run and taking it forward uh, in terms of Peggy's story. I really do appreciate that. What I don't necessarily appreciate is this reimagining and retconning of the origin of Captain America's shield. <laughs> and I understand why, you know, it's a big conspiracy. Everything is a CON conspiracy. Shout out to Damon Wayans and in living color. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, CON conspiracy. Uh, so, uh, what 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 it comes down to in this issue is that there is a retcon to the origin of the shield. We don't we don't have a complete retcon where Dr. Myron McLean, the metallurgist, is wiped out of the story, mm-hmm. but we have an addition to the story. Right. Now we have this, you know, the this group that you know has the shield low the, the 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 emblem basically of the shield uh forged and there may in fact be a wakand that it, it struck me as a wakandan who's working with the vibranium who's working in the forge which honestly that part makes, right yeah. it makes all the sense it's logical yeah that part right that's logical so you know that that you know like why would they put uh, someone of African descent, if they weren't Wakandan working with vibranium, and right? on, because right. the accident, right? The accident that produced the ore was under Myron McLean's watch, but the f- actual forging into the shield, into the shape of the shield, was always kind of glossed over. And obviously, the story is meant to expand upon that. Right? You were saying, 
I was going to say, uh, and the ties to one of the so one there's this shadow group who I know Agent Seventy probably may or may not get this reference, but uh, who seems to be of a Metal Gear esque type uh, shadow operative group in the background that's kind of kind of doing some things and have been doing some things for apparently the last century, uh, right. and and that has something to do with the Shield, and one of them. Uh, seems to be tied to the to the forger of the shield if 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 i'm reading something that was said in this issue is correct mm-hmm. so there is there is that and to to what end all of this you know in in what they're trying to do has anything to do with what has to do with the other we don't know right right so i think the best part of the art that i can speak to is some of the dynamic layouts Mm-hmm. I'm just not a fan of her style. Okay. Hmm. Roddy Cat may have a different opinion on this, and it seems like he does. Uh, tell us what it is. On this particular one, I do like... So, on, on this one, I can't really put my finger on it because I, I know I've seen her art uh, in other places before, and it seems like this is a little bit different from this, from the other things I've seen from her. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like, in a weird way, the art fits the story um and i guess some would say it could be kind of rough and busy in in spaces i can add a uh like i if that is i don't know if that is a criticism uh one would lend to it but i I can see why someone would say that there is a weird uh on the side note uh a couple of mcu moments i don't know if you picked up on in in this MCU. Oh, I mean parallels. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously, one of them is to the very first Captain America movie, uh, First Avenger. Mm-hmm. What was the second one? Um, basically, there's something that happens with Cap and his shield in any of those movies. Particularly, I guess. Uh, uh, well, and I guess it did happen a lot more in the Cap movies, but I think it did have, might have you happened mean once. The surfing. Not that. Not that. But the way he picked the way he picked up the shield. In, in a one of those panels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, do, I, I, did, I did catch that also. Right. I did catch that also. Yeah. So, obviously, that wasn't something that was popularized until we saw that in Winter Soldier. Correct. Um, and also, and speaking of, of that, uh, there, uh, there, the, the shield surfing that uh, I just having to just mention, a couple of interesting uses of the shield that, granted, we have seen in way well one particular we didn't see, we've never seen before but the uh we was the shield surfing but the other one we hadn't really seen as a, a type of sonar uh i don't know if he's going to continue to do that i was like well that's a novel way to do it because it's partially made of a vibranium so ipso facto do something with that <laughs> which mm-hmm. like I, said, I don't think has ever been done for that i was like that's novel that's kind of interesting but that's whole this whole thing with peggy carter which like i, said, I remember you talking about that or kind of talking around that i should say and right. it's still weird to me that that is the case mm-hmm. and her showing up in here and her and bucky having having this um this standoff <laughs> like you in some old bond movie or something was, was kind of interesting and also weird at the same time so i don't know like I said, at, at this point, and the way I caught up with this, like I kind of read all of, all of these back to back, so I was like, okay, I'm kind of catching up with everything that's been going on with this book because I've been I've definitely been reading Sam and reading this, 
And I'm starting to see where I can see where that upcoming um, Captain America um, focused crossover. Uh, crossover event is going to you know, start playing into things. So, because it, it seems like it's starting to uh, throw shades of that around. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I mean, I, I see it, too. Yeah. I definitely see it, too. But, you know, I'm. I'm just a fan of the character. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the retcon so much. Um, you know, it's just not, you know, it, it's not something that I'm unused to because obviously, you know, bringing Bucky back was a gigantic retcon. Right. But because of the way it was pulled off, it was just so well told. That's why everyone was a gigantic fan of that Brubaker run. Mm-hmm. So, but well, in any event, we can move on to the next book. Yeah, I mean, I can see where some people was like, "Well, did the did the shield actually need any 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 retcon into it?" Like, I can see why that could be a a, a, critic, a critique levied, mm-hmm. right? But at the end of the day, you know, sometimes it's hard to find something fresh to tell about Steve Rogers the character because we've already seen him in how many MCU movies, right? And you also, at, right, and also at the same time, it's like, yeah, that one, like you said earlier, it's it was a thing with the the forging of the shield that kind of got glossed over, and like it's good to see that it's been at least picked up on, you know, to what mm-hmm. end we don't know, but like, yeah, okay, it's a nice little pickup, you know, right. whether how many people are going to care about it, who's to say, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a it's a specific detail that gets glossed over because if I recall, in I want to say it was a, you know what? I don't know. I can't say that which artist did it because I remember seeing it in Marvel Saga, mm. you know, and which is obviously a reprint and an edited retelling of the history of the Marvel Universe, right? So mm. I can't say what issue offhand, although they did have it indexed in Marvel Saga, what issue that they, they pulled that particular snippet from, uh, where uh, Cap is presented with the shield in marvel comics lore right the circular shield right it's a retcon that uh, that in itself is a retcon because when uh simon and kirby uh initially did the the og captain america books they never you know uh dwelled upon that cap was too busy fighting the nazis right you know going from a triangular shield to a circular shield right so they never spent that, that 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 kind of time on that. Only in the age of Stan and Jack did they even bother to go backwards and retell some of that. Hmm. You know, and even later, I don't even know if Stan and Jack were were were, were working on Cap when they uh, revealed some of the stuff uh, about Cap Shield. It might have been even later. Right. But in any event. Um, we can move on to what else do we have in common before we go rapid fire? Oh, because we actually we have both a, have a lot of comics uh, yeah. to go through. We have at least three books in com- four books in common. Okay, so I'm like, pick one. So I'm like, oh, okay, I was say if you want to do rapid fire, and then I'll just uh, you know pop onto it. Then oh, sure, sure. You want me to do that? Just yeah. go rapid fire. Oh, yeah. And, and, and uh, all right. So in honor of Predator. That is where we get our rapid fire sound effect from, folks. In honor of Predator, we are going to start our rapid fire segment right about now. I ain't got time to breathe. Okay, first up is Avengers number 59. It is written by Jason Aaron, 
with art by Javier Garon. Colors by color art by David Curiel. I'm going to start getting into saying color art because that's what the credits have said. I know that Roddy Cat has adjusted his way of recording credits to say to, to read CA as in color artist. I read that as cover artist. That's my problem. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's just, but that's just true. No, like I can see it. No, I, feel, I see that. That's yeah. the traditional notation, right? Right. Of, you know, of, of, of cover art because colorist. The traditional term, um, you know, was you know was just indicated by a C. Right. But it nowadays, because of right, because but nowadays because of the immense contribution that colorists provide to comic books, they now call them color artists. At least in Marvel Comics, this book is also lettered by VCs Corey Petit. I, I I've been saying Pettit, but that's not how it's spelled. It looks oh, okay. like it's the French Petit. Right. So. Wait, have we? So that's is that confirmation or is that? That's okay. just me. Okay, that's just me. Simply because that's what petite is spelled like. Pettit sure. is spelled differently. You right. know, like that awful. You know, I, I say awful, but he was a good pitcher. But he played for the Yankees, so screw him. <laughs> Andy Pettit, and his name was spelled differently with two T's, with four T's, like P E T T I T T E. I think his name was spelled. Gotcha. So, but screw him. He was a Yankee. Um, <laughs> Uh, anyway, we we continue on the multiversal. Uh, we we continue on the quest to introduce and assemble the multiversal Avengers. Now we're in the wild, wild west, not Will Smith's wild, wild west, but maybe the wild, wild west from that '80s song. Um, you know, more music references here, folks. And we have Mephisto playing games with uh, this realities. Um, uh, versions of these characters and the Avengers who are chasing Mephisto throughout the different timelines intervene and save the literal bacon of these multiversal Avengers. Bottom line here is that um, the, 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 these multiversal Avengers are going to assemble quite literally at the end of the story arc but meanwhile, this story is going to take a quick hiatus next issue to observe – I make it sound like a holiday, right? To observe an AXE Judgment Day tie-in issue. So we're going to get that in issue number 60 coming out very soon next month. So uh, we'll be on – this story will be on hold while AXE Judgment Day crosses over into the pages of the Avengers book. Do you have anything to add? The only thing I'll add is that it seems like Aaron's having fun making these characters up. Um, uh, and, and that's always appreciated. Because like I said, we, I, I can cite back to uh, his, his Thor's um, run in uh, Secret Wars. Um, again, it's, it's, it's a great story you should read it. <laughs> um, uh, for, for, for his penchant for, for making uh, characters up. My only question is, and I've been reading Avengers this whole time. Right. Um, and I still don't remember how in the hell they're just zipping through timelines like this. Was that? I forgot. Exactly. I forgot. Exactly. So I'm sitting here like, how are they even doing this? Like, they just don't happen to be zipping through timelines and finding these folks. Which I mean, granted, comics you could you could just lend it all to that, but I was like, what? How? What are they even doing this? And that's just me. That's just me. But 
Like I said, it's just like, because all, all we see is like they're just being one place to the next to the next to the next and, and kind of helping out as, as it were. So it's just something that I just braced on. Not braced on, but it's I don't, just like, oh, yeah, you, know, you bumped on it. Yeah. I get it. You so. bumped on that. I get it. And I appreciate that because I glossed over that because this story has been going on for a while. For a while. Like introducing yes. all of these new multiversal Avengers. So I have completely forgotten how the Avengers are on their time tripping uh, quest, how they're uh, executing this time tripping quest. Right. Gotcha. Anyway. You know, forget the fact that they've literally got a Phoenix and a Star Brand on their team. Yeah. But even with that, I'm like, I don't think they have that kind of power. Unless they're channeling some kind of way. I know. I know. So. My suspicion, if I recall... Now now you're going to make me look this up later, like after the show. You're I think it's something to do with Tony. Because of course. he was the one that first went into like the prehistoric times. And and and, and they were able to find his, his skeleton, if you remember that. I do, but that was due no... He didn't do that himself, though. I think he was shunted back there some kind of way, if I remember that part. Like, that was a way long time ago. Uh, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I remember that, but I just I figured that was under no power of his own that that happened. Right, and I'm assuming that, you know, something that they've, you know, figured out a way, they've MacGyvered away or Tony Starked away to figure out uh, this version of time travel to at least pursue Mephisto. Right. Yeah, but I guess yeah that 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 bears some research at some point. Not here, right? Not now. Yeah, not here, not in the here and now. Right. Next up is Black Panther number eight. It's written by John Ridley with art by Stefano Landini, colors by Maya Milla, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So we are in the end game now. We are in the end game of this particular Black Panther story involving essentially a civil war slash coup. Um, uh, perpetrated by the Hatut Zaraze and T'Challa essentially coming in not to retake the throne but to overthrow the generals who have um, uh, 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 seized power from the democratically elected Wakandan government. And it is the very definition of a Pyrrhic victory that T'Challa claims at the end of this issue, because while his efforts are successful, he is left alone. And I actually felt bad for T'Challa, even though we know yep. all of the decisions that his friends, colleagues, family make in this issue are a direct result of the decisions and the actions that T'Challa took while both king of Wakanda and in his post as, you know, you know, ceremonial head of state of Wakanda, you know, all of the, the secret machinations that he put into place and all of those things came home to roost and he basically found himself alone. And I actually really felt bad because the way Ridley and the way Landini executed that last page I genuinely felt bad for T'Challa there. Same. Uh, 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 what do you have to add? Yeah, though, I partly, up until that point, this whole thing, and I don't know why I feel this way, because it really wasn't, but it kind of felt slightly rushed to get to, that, yes. to this point. 
because especially well, with the uh with how the 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 um the last battle ended i would say yes and no hold your hold your thought i would say mm. yes and no because the whole setup to the final battle took a while oh, like yes. gathering the troops right assembling who was going to be part of uh t'challa's little rebel band mm-hmm. took agree. a while like right. it was a good three issues to do that right and that's why that's that's why that's why I say it's weird to say that because you're right about that because like yeah like everything up until now just it, it took an acceptable length but it's just that it's like okay here we go we're we're going in here we're doing this and through the course of this whole issue it's like all right done like go through the motions battles done and then he's by himself um and we're going to go into a new arc. Which also is kind of weird because this is issue eight, uh, and normally an arc would be like you know. I'm mean, granted. I think this whole arc is like uh, it has been eight issues, but you know, if, if and for some oh, in strange the reason, interest of trade paperback exactly. collecting, exactly. I was thinking about that. I was like, well, this seems weird if they're if they're um, if they're gonna put this into a trade but maybe they'll make an eight uh eight issue trade off of this if they tend to do that they don't know that that would be the weird part because normally this would be broken up into two and it'd be like two trades and of like five or six issues a piece or something right if anything that just might make the price point different on the trade paperback possibly you know because we're used to seeing six issue trades nowadays mm-hmm. it used to be actually i think nowadays sometimes they're even five issue trades yeah more so than that yeah five Right. So so I think maybe having an eight issue trade just throws the price point a little bit it makes the price point a little different Assuming from what we're that. used to seeing on the bookstore shelf. Right. But other than that Or the uh, comic book store shelf. Right. Yeah. But other than that, I'm kinda of with uh Agent Seven is like, yeah, then there's like, yeah, you kinda of feel bad for T'Challa coming out of this because of, like I said, everything like you said, everything that happened, uh, everything uh, that led up to right. now was because fault. of he's LeRoy. He's at fault. Right. right. He's definitely at fault. They're holding him accountable for his actions and decisions. Right. But at the same time, you, you know, like it was kind of, you know, it was kind of pitiable. Mm-hmm. Not pitiful, but just pitiable. Right. To see him in that state at the end of this story arc. Right. And where he you know, and here? it's not, and what he says, right, and what he says never struck me as something that black that that t'challa as the black panther would ever say right and it's right it's a development in the character i don't know i guess you could characterize it as character growth acknowledging the fact that even though he's no longer king he may have felt like he you know had so much that he was only able to do things by himself mm-hmm and to be able to express this particular emotion and this particular feeling may be a sign of growth for the character. Yeah. And I, and I guess that's a good part about it because it has led me to think, it was like, okay, so he's here. He's kind of at a down moment. We've kind of seen him in down moments before in, in, in other runs, but this is like a, this is like you said, where everything kind of came on the roost. Where does he go from here? And that part is what I'm interested in going into this, whatever this next arc or, or next story is going to be, if they pick up on it properly. Right. And interestingly enough, they actually, you know, and, and this is a mild, mild spoiler. Obviously, we're not spoiling anything if you read solicitations. Right. Um, I haven't looked at solicitations in a while. I'll be honest. Yeah, same. You know, I've been kind of flying. I've been kind of flying blind when it comes to the solicitations. 
you know, obviously we talk about it in the news, but when it comes to like the Marvel solicitations, I really haven't looked at them in a number of months. And what we find here at the end of this issue is that T'Challa is rejoining the Avengers. Yep. So, you know, we'll see that probably reflected in the pages of, of Avengers sooner rather than later. So, you know, probably in advance of the final assembling of the multiversal Avengers. Right. And may possibly not in Acts. So. <laughs> right, right. Depending on how all that stuff plays out uh, in continuity. Right. Okay. All right. Next up. Next up is Ghost Rider Vengeance Forever. Vengeance Forever! V! Not, not, not Wakanda, but V! Right? Vengeance Forever, number one. It's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Juan Jose Rip. Colors by Brian Valenza and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So this year marks an anniversary. I forget what year anniversary it is for Ghost Rider. I want to say 40 or 50 years. Hmm. You know what? Okay, I can probably look it up right now. Yeah, if you don't mind, I'd appreciate it. So, I mean, I still have to open my review copy. But um, uh, because I think it does tell me. No, 50 years. It's right there on the cover. It's a 50-year anniversary of the Ghost Rider concept and character. And in this issue, it is literally a trip down memory lane that is brought about by uh, a magical tattoo artist. I'm no fan of tattoos. I know people are. I understand why. You know, they actually put in here that people get tattoos because they want to remember something. Right. I'm a fan of art. I love art. I can't see myself putting art on my body. I'll put it on a piece <laughs> of paper. I'll put it on a canvas. I'll put it on a computer. I don't need to put it on myself. You mean not even but, not even a cap shield on your arm or something? No, I got a cap shield <laughs> on my shirt. Yo, look at this right here. But if I you're watching people, the video version and you should. Right. For real. Right. You know, like listen to the Brooklyn come out. As I get more expressive and I get further into this bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> so, but, but bottom line here is in this issue, we go down this trip, uh, down this memory lane trip with the Ghost Rider. And we go into the different iterations of Ghost Rider. And Benjamin Percy and Juan Jose Rip do an excellent job of touching upon almost, well, really all of the eras of Ghost Rider that we've seen since the character's inception, including the Wild West version of Ghost Rider, the non, um, kind of the non-Hellfire-driven Ghost Rider. But I don't know if this is the uh, the Ghost Rider. It's not the Ghost Rider in white. Like but Phantom it's, Rider? You know, it's not, Fan not Phantom Rider. No, not Phantom Rider. I right. think this is like a Hellfire Ghost Rider from the West. I don't recognize... Uh, the character might be a new character, but, uh, you know, they touch upon all of the different iterations from 2099. There's even a quick cameo of the cosmic ghost writer, Frank Castle. Um, but it's just, an, uh, it's, I can't say it's a fun ride because it's ghost writer. There's going to be hellfire and vengeance and destruction and misery. So that's, you know, that's part and parcel with any ghost writer book. But I enjoyed this little trip down memory lane. And, you know, it's definitely fitting as an anniversary of the Ghost Rider concept. Not necessarily franchise, but definitely a concept. 
You know, it was it started as you know, remember when Ghost Rider started to become like a little corner of the Marvel Universe in the 90s? They had the mm-hmm. Midnight Suns, you know, everything based on everything was founded upon the success of that Ghost Rider series. Yeah, during the Marvel Knights era, correct? No, previous. Previous? Huh, okay. Previous. Like when they initially read no well, when they did that uh that, that reboot of Morbius and Blade mm-hmm. and Midnight Suns and Vengeance. You know, do you remember that spiky hair, spiky dude who's a uh, also like a Ghost Rider clone? Kind of. This is the Danny Ketch era. This is right. See, was, early nineties. As, as as we've established, I haven't wasn't reading that much around that era. So right, right. You know, I mean, this is like my not my heyday of collecting, but definitely the height of my uh, exposure to comics as a, a college kid that was working in a comic book store. Mm-hmm. So I saw a lot of these books. You know, gotcha. All right, next next up is giant size Gwen Stacy number one. If you thought we were never going to get the continuation of those first two Gwen Stacy books, Roddy Cat's right there with you. Mm-hmm. He had, had <laughs> no clue this was coming out. I was very happy to see that they basically finish off this mini series by um, I I, I want to say this is a re this is a reprint of the entire series so i think what they did is that they finish off um because you know it starts with a chapter one and i i I didn't bother to go back and 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 look at the first two issues that 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 had been released Mm -hmm. so i just i decided just to read this it's a not it's a ten dollar book folks if you're getting a physical copy of this this is ten dollars but i can say that it's a lot of fun to read it's um uh, it's written by Christos Gage with art by Todd Nock. Colors are by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters are by our favorite lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. So, uh, you know, we you know the first two issues were previously released just at the beginning or just prior to the pandemic. And this is one of those books that when they went pencils down uh, because of the pandemic, it just never came back. But now we've gotten the completion of this story in this big one-shot giant-sized book. And I enjoyed it. You know, it was definitely interesting to see Gwen in a different light. Uh, You know, for those of you who don't know, Gwen and Harry Osborn did not enter Peter Parker's life until they met in college. In this issue, we follow Gwen and Harry and some other characters who are obviously very familiar to us in the Spider-Man universe, Spider-Man corner of the Marvel universe, but they are at a different high school. They're not at like Midtown High School. They're at Standard High School. And so, uh, you know, high school hijinks are, 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 are basically all around this story. But ultimately what we have here, I think is a pretty well told story. And I give Christos Gage a lot of credit for putting some depth into Gwen. You know, I've always had a soft spot for Gwen ever since spectacular Spider-Man, the cartoon. I didn't think that Gwen was all that, you know, reading back issues as a kid or, or even as a teen growing up. Um, I remember in, I think the first time I remember reading that Mary Jane was jealous of Gwen Stacy was in Spider-Man Blue, that Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale book where, you know, basically, you know, she didn't where, where Mary Jane was like, you know, how do you how do you compare yourself against like the perfect girl? 
right? And I remember, uh, I want to say it was in the Jid McKay Black Cat series where MJ and Felicia had a similar exchange. Mm-hmm. I was going to mention about, that. Right, right. That's what, that's what reminded me of it. And uh, I, 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 I came to appreciate Gwen Stacy more in the retconning and retelling of her story. Obviously, Spectacular Spider-Man came out on the heels of the Amazing Spider-Man franchise, which had Gwen Stacy at the center as opposed to Mary Jane, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously the retcon there was that, uh, Peter and, and Gwen were in high school together, as opposed to in the comics, they don't meet until later in life. But here I really, you know, I really, I really appreciate that Gwen was her own character and her own person. It wasn't just little miss perfect, uh, you know, and, and, and has a depth of character that really had not yet been explored until a series like this. So I give Christos Gage a lot of credit. Next up is Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor, number three of five of a five-issue limited series. I know Roddy Cat read this. It's written by Torun Gronbeck, with art by Michael Dowling, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So... In this issue, we find ourselves catching up with a couple of the things that we were left with at the end of the second issue. One, Thor is still trapped wherever he's trapped, right? Um, We catch up with a character who's still a mystery to us. You know, we don't know who this character, this masked character is with the Red Hood, right? It's not the Red Hood, but the character has a mask. We also find that... um, the demon Belasco in limbo, not hell, but in limbo has something to do with the disappearance of Thor and Jane Foster has been tasked with finding out what happened to Thor. Now we have a big battle between Belasco and Jane and Jane surprisingly is at a disadvantage. I'm like Belasco. Really? Against the basic, uh, 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 against the God of Thunder? But Jane is able to turn the tide because not, not because of Mjolnir, but because of her all weapon. Wait, I'm sorry. You Wait, said sorry. Belasco. Oh no, Sim, Sim. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think when I think of, when I think of Limbo, I think of Belasco. Yeah, fair. So I meant Sim. I apologize, folks. I see big purple guy. And I should say Sim, but the second Limbo comes out of my mouth, I say Belasco. But in any event, getting back to the story, um, uh, this story is being told in tandem with, you know, what would seem to be a story for the pages of Thor, which is a gigantic attack on Asgard that has the defenders of Asgard reeling. Right? But the pages of Thor are filled with a Hulk crossover right now. So that's probably why this is happening in the pages of this little series. But at the end of the day, um, we get Runa, the, uh, the, the, the parallel Valkyrie to Tessa Thompson's character, uh, showing off. Uh, but ultimately, the forces that are allied and rallied against Asgard, including the former curse, now restored to be Algrim the Strong, 
are getting the upper hand. They have definitely uh, benefited from having Tyre, the Asgardian god of war, on their side. And uh, we end this issue with a pretty interesting cliffhanger between Jane and uh, someone that many Marvel characters would uh, affectionately and jokingly call Goldilocks. And I'll leave it at that. Do you have anything to add? Well, I mean, you know, his name's in the title, so there is always that. So, which also lends the, the lends a question because you brought up the fact that yeah, the uh, part of this could have been in the pages of Thor, and I'm found myself wondering while I was reading this, like, where okay, so where, where and or how does this fall in relation to that book and what's going on there? Like, obviously, right. like you said, the the whole Hulk versus Thor thing, I guess, is still going on, and I totally forgot about that somehow. Um, but, and what happens at the end of it, like, had me questioning, it was like, so wait, is that actually who that is? Or is that like a variant of that person who just happens to look the the same as the the current version of that character? Or like, what is happening? Especially with what they say to Jane Foster, uh, in in the in the last panels of that book in the uh, of this issue, so it's, it's mm-hmm. got me questioning a couple of things. But at the same time, like like where is this in relation to that? In addition to that, right, right. We're just past the midpoint of the story. Right. You know, next issue, the next issue is going to be the penultimate. So we're going to be setting up, you know, a finale in the next issue. So we'll see where the story goes next issue. Hopefully, mm-hmm. it pays off. Right. Next up is Ms. Marvel Wolverine number one. It's written by Jody Hauser with art by Zay Carlos. Uh, colors by Eric Arseniega and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So if you have not yet watched the Ms. Marvel Disney Plus show, I'm going to mildly spoil it simply because... For the people that did actually watch the Disney Plus Ms. Marvel show, seeing Ms. Marvel crossover with the X-Men should not be a surprise to you. It'll be a surprise to everybody else, right. but it won't be a surprise to people who watch the show. Specifically a couple of them in, in that. Right. Very quickly, it's this is a run-of-the-mill crossover because the X-Men are under attack while Ms. Marvel comes in as an innocent bystander and proves to be a helpful bystander. We, there is uh, a nice little reunion between Ms. Marvel and Cyclops because they both serve together on the champions because of time travel shenanigans. Um, and there's also the re-teaming up of her and uh, of her and Wolverine from the uh, which they mentioned here because uh, in the beginning of the first volume of uh, Miss Marvel there was a team up between her and Wolverine uh, right. there, right? And there is a continuing story between these Miss Marvel and blank crossover issues. Uh, 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 these Miss Marvel and blank. Like like one shot issues, you know. Right. It's they're a bunch of one shots, but they're all tied together. So it's really a series. So which, and then, and there's another book that is, that came out this week that I'll talk about that is doing the same thing. And I'm don't understand why they didn't just call it a team up book. Like basically, like 
Miss Marvel team up. They've done it before. Or, you know, uh, like why they didn't just do that as opposed to doing doing this. I know they've done these particular types of one shot crossovers uh centered around a character before, but it's slightly kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. I mean they some of them end up being good, but it's like, okay, it's, I I get it. These are new number ones and you can kind of push them off that way, but they're connected and therefore you might as well just either make it a mini series and just number them sequentially or call it a team up book and do it that way. That's just my nitpick. Outside of that, potential click of the week for me, I, I dare say, okay. because it was kind of fun. It was definitely fun. I don't know if I would go so far as to make it a click as, as to make it a click of the week candidate, but it was definitely fun. Yeah. You know, and it's nice to see, you know, I miss having a regular Ms. Marvel book. Yes. Same. And, you know, I miss seeing the character and obviously I'm not a fan of the direction that the MCU version of the character is going to go in. But I just miss seeing the character on the pages of the comics that I read because, you know, she was always a nice little breath of fresh air. So, um, you know, any 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 dose of, of Kamala Khan in my comics is always welcome. Indeed. You know, uh, anyway, next up for me is Predator. Number one, it is. This is not a Dark Horse book, folks. This is a Marvel book. It's written by Ed Brisson, with art by Kev Walker, colors by Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So this is an all-new, all-different Predator. And this story is set in the relative near future, right? Only 25 years, roughly 25 or 26 years into the future from where we are today. And lots of things have changed, but one thing that hasn't, is the predator being a pain in the neck to a bunch of humans. So this story deals with a character who's looking to turn the tables on the predator for having done this character wrong in the past. And it's a really good jumping off point for any reader who is like me, just familiar enough with the predator lore to jump in and not necessarily need to have read all the Dark Horse books or watched all the movies that we don't care to watch. I mean, I, I freely admit I never watched the Danny Glover movie all the way through. Right? Predator 2. Never watched it all the way through. I don't think I've ever watched any of the other sequels all the way through. And, um, you know, I was entertained, you know, by this. You know, the, the Kev Walker art on this is very, very solid. Ed Brisson does a good job of uh, setting the stage for uh, a, a little mini universe of predator stories here in this particular timeline. I anticipate that we're going to see different uh, renditions of the predator and prey story, much like we've already gotten with the prey movie. I don't think we're going to be following this particular protagonist throughout the entire run of the story. I think they're going to tell different Predator-based stories here, but we'll see how this plays out. You know, this is just the first issue of probably many Predator stories to come. And, but probably, I like and probably going to be um, uh, AVP lead-in somewhere down the line. Possibly. I like this, and this is actually a candidate for Click of the Week to me because I enjoy just reading it as a whole. I had to check it out. I'm, I'm, Brisson in, in action seems to seems to be his wheelhouse. So 
um, I'm kind of curious to check this out. All righty. Next up is Punisher number five. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Jesus Saiz, inks by Paul Azacheta, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So if you have not yet jumped on this admittedly odd recontextualizing of the Frank Castle character by putting him at, by putting him into the role of being the leader of the hand the, the you know the the cult of ninjas you know uh you know f- uh, originally based in Japan enemy of Daredevil and Elektra if you're not a fan of that i understand I'm willing to see where this goes because at the end of the day, it, it involves some of the the, 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 ba- the core basics of the Frank Castle character. There's definitely a little bit of retconning here that's happening because we're getting some flashback stories being told of Frank Castle's upbringing, uh, his, his childhood, his time up to his enlistment in the Marine Corps. And his predilection, his predilection for violence as opposed to other means of conflict resolution. So, you know, whether or not what's been teased in this issue is actually true, whether or not Frank has been under the influence of the beast that has been behind the power and longevity of the hand is still up for grabs. We still don't know. But um, one particular aspect of the story is the means by which the hand continue to exert their heavy influence and control over Frank. I'm not going to spoil it here. I know that Roddy Cat's probably not going to ever look at this, but I don't want to spoil it for the people who may, in fact, try to pick this up. Uh, why you know it, it's a pretty convincing reason why Frank is under their influence, but you know some of it is, you know we're, we're starting to see some of the cracks in the amount of influence the hand has over Frank, but you know Frank is a Frank is a soldier. This is a supernatural ninja cult, and there's only so much Frank can deal with, you know can 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 you know can can do against that because he's definitely out of his element here in the story. So, you know, without going deeper into what actually happens in this issue, I feel like I'm still invested in seeing how this plays out. If you're reading Daredevil, it's interesting to see if this will eventually cross over into Daredevil because of the parallel tracks that these characters are on and what their ultimate goals are. The god of the Olympian god of war, Ares, is playing a role in this. And it's just, you know, just one supernatural thing uh, after another, which throws the whole Punisher story out of whack. You know, he's not out here killing mobsters. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, he's still, you know, he, he, much like Logan, is one of the best at what he does. And he does that very well in these issues uh, by Jason Aaron. So uh, I'm going to keep up with this book and see what comes of it. Last but not least for me is X-Men Legends number one. It's written by Roy Thomas with art by David Wachter or Watcher. I don't know if I have that. Um, 
name correct. I don't know if I copied this from Roddy Cat and it was a typo. I think it was, I think it is Watcher. No, no kidding. Because it's I'm confirming. Oh wait, no, it is Wachter. It's Wachter on the cover. Right, because I remember the name Wachter. So when I'm looking at this, I'm like, oh, that's got to be a, a, a spell check thing. So that is a typo. Okay. And it's not a big typo because, like I said, if you type this into something that like has autocorrect, it probably changes it to watch to Watcher. So uh, art by David Wachter, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by our favorite lettering Paisan VCs Joe Caramagna. So this, much like all of the previous X-Men Legends book, is an in-continuity plug-in retcon issue where the creators who are most familiar with that era, who had stories to still tell but found for whatever reason, for, for whatever reason a roadblock ahead of them that didn't let them tell this continuing part of their story are now able to put these stories onto print into print and into circulation to help fill in what are perceived gaps. This story fills in at least part of the gap between incredible Hulk 181 and the next appearance of Wolverine, which is X-Men number giant size X-Men number one. I want to say X-Men number 95, but no, it's actually uh, Giant Size X-Men number one. And uh, for anyone familiar with Wolverine's first appearance, he first tussled with both the Hulk and the Wendigo. And we find ourselves, uh, I guess this is after issue 182, because if you look at one issue 182 of, of The Incredible Hulk, Wolverine basically, you know... Uh, bids the Hulk adieu, right? You know, it's pretty non it's pretty nonviolent. So I guess Roy Thomas had a different way of telling the story and uh Wolverine and the Hulk do not bid each other farewell fondly in this issue. And we find out that Wolverine is then sent on uh another mutant ops. I don't want to say black ops, but a mutant ops mission uh to uh the United States with another uh, Canadian mutant operative who I think is a new character? No. Uh, he was, Not a new character. No, he was uh, an X-Men villain prior to uh, Giant Size. Understood. Thank you for that. I never bothered to look it up. Yeah. I was I was up late last night reading all these books, folks. <laughs> I was not in the mood to do any sort of extra legwork, and I apologize. I'm usually more well-informed. I think I was... Uh, tired from binging Paper Girls and Sandman. It's More right. Sandman because I had finished Paper Girls, I think, the day before. Hey, you can't, can't have everything in, in, in mind, so it's all good. <laughs> right. But bottom line is the, the, the issue ends with this mission uh, fi- uh, finding both this Jack O'Diamond's character and Wolverine face-to-face with a ragtag group of mutants who are all familiar to us, but they normally don't hang out together. And I'll leave it at that. Roddy Cat, what do you have to add? Yeah, no, they don't. In fact, I think I ended up calling him them the Brotherhood of Evil X-Men, even though they're not all evil X-Men. <laughs> right. Uh, but that should give you a, a little little context into some people that shows up. Yeah, I was like, this is kind of weird. I enjoyed reading this. It was like, because... 
this is not the first time X Men Legends has has been a thing. Uh, I think didn't Legends start off with like just reprints, or that was X Men Classic. Mm-mm. Or what? No, Legends. Legends. Have, if you like, I bought a couple of Legends issues. If I recall, uh, I specifically remember like some X Factor filling, like filling the gap stuff by Walt mm-hmm. and Louis Simonson. Right. Right. I mean, I know X Men Legends has been the thing before, but I was trying to remember it was like. No, X Men Classic was the one that was doing the reprints. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So had to get that straight in my own mind. Either way, um, yeah. I'm, hey, I'm down to read some stuff. I, sometimes, like as we have been saying, these uh, new slash retconned old stories. Some of them can be a bit much, but we've been reading a whole bunch of them in the past few weeks anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, uh, I don't know. This one was it was it was kind of fun and kind of tread some ground that I was familiar but slightly not familiar like the, I had to look up that Jack of Diamonds person because I was like who the heck I thought it was a uh, um, a new person myself until I was yeah, in the background I, I was like who seriously right. yeah so I was like oh okay they, they went out with the with the the, the, the first five the, the original five um, right and you know what's funny what's funny is I was like wait a second so we have a Jack of Hearts and now we have a Jack of Diamonds that right. means we still have two suits left Right, and there was that. I did think of it was like, well, it's like, what they, are they going to go through the whole suit or not? Is this going to be like uh, whatever that uh, the Royal Flush game from DC, <laughs> which right, I know there's right, never right, been right, right, right. So, but nevertheless, uh, yeah, uh, listen, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm looking to see what else comes out of these um, uh, 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 of this run because I know we, I think we're getting some Claremonts again because you know, uh, going back to what you were saying, explaining this book. Some people did not get to finish their stuff, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, Claremont famously didn't uh, finish something for one reason or another. Did, or didn't come back to. He's got an extreme X Men book coming out. Come on, Claremont, you know, give us a break. Right. Anyway, is that it for you? All right, that is it for me. You're up. Alrighty then. Uh, I was gonna say you only have a few now because we had a lot of books in common. Pretty much, yeah. I only got like four. So, I Am Batman number 12 is my next book. Uh, as I pulled up the cover. So, we get a uh, Batman and Qu- the Question team up. Uh, uh, so, it's um, uh, so Jace Fox and uh, Renee Montoya um, specifically, and not the original recipes of either of those characters. Actually, I don't even think the original uh, question is alive anymore. Uh, and I think there was a story about that a couple of years back that I think I tried to read. Either way, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, uh, Renee, Renee Montoya, as of last issue, is in New York. Uh, she has uh, uh, taken the guise of the question because I guess she's trying to see if this Batman is uh, not necessarily worthy of the title, title but, uh, you know, kind of trying to see who he is, because sometimes that's what the question, as uh, Lucius Fox says in this uh, in this issue, um, you know, the the question, um, you know, questions character, basically, as opposed, uh, in addition to whatever case that they're, uh, that they're working on at the time. So there is that. But yeah, so it's a team up between, like I said, Batman and the question. They end up reopening the case, a, a case from the beginning of, I guess, this volume in the, in the guise of uh, Anna Creed's murder, which happened. So during the course of that, like I said, they're kind of looking to reopen that case and uh, tying it to 
things that are going on right now with uh, the current government uh, governor, excuse me, current mayor of New York and some things around him and people around him that have not necessarily been um, on the up and up. And of course, there's some, a little bit of, uh, not necessarily police corruption uh, in here, but, you know, there's in somewhat of, some would say ripped from the headlines. It's like, yeah, we had this one police uh, police chief commissioner or whatever who was, you know, whose words uh, that were not too glowing upon groups of people uh, end up coming out, and that ended up being a thing, but that's not the part they're dealing with at this point. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, this whole issue is kind of uh, them teaming up, and uh, weirdly enough, Jason let the question who he's never met before have access to his uh, more access than you think you would in a first meeting with someone you didn't know too much about because I think they go to their newly uh, acquired uh, headquarters or the Batman's newly acquired headquarters uh, for a little powwow and, and meets his man in the chair and all that kind of good man. So I was like, that's something you think you wouldn't do right off the bat, but nevertheless it happens and uh, circle back to the creative team. It's written by John Ridley, uh, art by Christian Deuce, colors by Rex Locus, which that's also a typo, and letters by Troy Pittery. Uh There we go. Next up, Nubia, Queen of the Amazons, number three. I was about to. I have some uh, some some variant covers on some of these books, and I was I was going to plop up, but uh, we'll we'll may share of that one. Written by Stephanie Williams, pencils by uh, Alita Martinez, inks by Mark Morales, John Livesay or Livesay, and uh, Alita Martinez. Colors by Alex um, Guamarez, and letters by Becca Carey. So the crux of this issue is that Nubia, um, Yara Floor, Hawk Girl, and a, and a group of Amazons are dealing with um, uh, an unresolved, as I say in my notes, an unresolved link to Nubia's path, uh, past, um, who happens to be stirring up some issue uh, in the name of uh, Vengeance. Uh, and leading, uh, and also, I guess, also have something to do with uh, following uh, the goddess segment, or the god goddess segment, uh, which uh, Nubia, in her previous uh, incarnation, or in her previous um, life, did un- until she was uh, uh, taken out. Like I said, this is pretty much... Uh, uh, um, I guess it doesn't necessarily deal with it because they end up getting in a fight, and I think it, I don't think it's over after this. But it just happens to come up. I mean, it, it comes up as a thing, and probably going to go uh, come up as a thing in the next uh, next couple of issues as well. But to the end, I guess we'll find out. But also, Nubia is you know dealing with the fact that hey, you know. Th- while they were on this tour, some a bunch of um, uh, property and whatnot got 
got uh, messed up, so just kind of people have to clear it, clean it up, uh, so you know, so they're not looking like they're uh, a problem coming into man's world. So there is that. Uh, next up, Captain Carter, number five of five. So this is the last issue of this book. Pink. Uh, written by Jamie McKelvey, uh, art by Marika Cresta, color artist uh, Matt Miller, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So, like I said, it's the last issue. Uh, Peggy Carter. This is a, uh, this is not the Peggy, same Peggy Carter that is in the current issues of uh, Captain uh, America. Uh, again, this is uh, Captain Carter, akin to who showed up in um, What If may or may not be in the same universe as that one. I'm not entirely sure. They never really defined that. But nevertheless, um, in this particular issue, she kind of has a... um, Well, she doesn't quite. But let's just say there's kind of a Captain America um, Winter Soldier-esque plot uh, going on in this, in that she thought she was um like she she was unfrozen she she's now in the present day uh she thought hydra was still around but it turns out that it was a big plot um and a ruse with uh some shadow government figures well so much shadow uh, is then there are vampires also involved <laughs> so there is that um so, but she, yeah, indeed. It's actually been kind of fun, uh, but she's also I'm been. I'm enjoying having this buttons in Mindy sound drop. Now. <laughs> it has been it's, it's been, been, it's been too long. Like, like we've been doing the show too long with like my, my expanded sound effects to not have that. I'm sorry to interrupt. Please you know, continue. You're good. You're good. You're right. <laughs> but yeah, um, but uh, this, this miniseries has kind of been. Uh, this version of Peggy Carter as Captain or Captain Britain, Captain America, Captain Carter, rather, um, trying to adjust to modern day life and find that she doesn't feel like she has her place in it uh, until certain things, this certain thing comes up. But it's like I said, it's a, a plot and a ruse by um, government fishers in the background, and again, who happen to be vampires. And uh, she found herself being framed for murder and uh, put in jail at the, the, the at the outset of last issue. And in coming into this issue, her friends that she has met, and including uh, one version of Tony Stark, uh, Elizabeth Braddock, who has been hiding her mutant powers up until she's revealed them this in this issue, and. Uh, uh, her neighbor, who's not Sharon Carter, but uh, um, a young lady named Harley, and this other government official, go into this um, uh, vault-like prison. Let's just say to get uh, to get her out, um, and uh, which happens, and like the, the, the story, uh, the, the I mean that happens, and. Uh, the the bad guys get uh, taken out, but they're still leaves. I guess a little something to kind of come back to 
uh, if they choose to. Not necessarily. I mean, this has been wrapped up, but like, like if they wanted to make another um, story out of something, like they they could probably put something together in this with the uh, all the players in line outside of the um, the, the bad guys. Uh, but yeah, this was kind of enjoyable. There was something else I was going to say about this, but I can't remember what it is. So we're just going to push on. Um, oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. There was a pretty much an, a 1980s movie uh, montage at the end of like, like kind of, 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 of where are they now that I caught, found kind of uh, amusing. So there was that. Um Let's see, my last book for me is Avengers and Moon Girl number one, which uh, just like the Miss Marvel Wolverine uh, is a similar uh, part of uh, this. This is the second issue, actually, of um, a set of one shot shots that are surrounding Moon Girl and some other uh, set of uh, characters and boy, do a lot of characters show up in this particular issue. Um, it's written by Mo Hale Mashigo uh, art by it's D it's him Dio or her Dio. I don't know, but it's Dio folks. Yes. Anyway, um, art by Dio Neves, Salva uh, Espen and Bruno Oliveri, uh, color artist, Michelle Rosenberg, Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VCs, Travis Lanham. So yeah, um, the last issue, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur have been separated. Uh, Moon Girl's been trying to find her. The last uh, issue was her. It was a tune up between Moon Girl and uh, Miles Morales, uh, which led to a certain point. And in this point, we have... So it says Avengers and Moon Girl, but realistically, it's like Captain Marvel... And a bunch of Wakanda people, uh, and some Wakanda people, uh, uh, up until the end of this issue, where some X Men show up. So it's like kind of uh, Captain Marvel's shepherding around because we, they found out that Devil Dinosaur may or may not be on the moon uh, for some reason. There's some clones of Devil Dinosaur um, uh, running around that uh, Lunella ends up uh, uh, help, help wrangling. Uh, between last issue and this issue um, in her trying to find Devil Dinosaur. Like I said, a couple of X-Men come into play at the end of this, which leads into the next issue uh, with the team up between uh, Lunella and the the X-Men. And we also, most importantly, get to see the big bad guy of this uh, miniseries, which, if you think about uh, cloning and animals and scientific endeavors of that nature, you kind of get a figure of who that might be. Because there are not too many people that kind of deal with that stuff in the Marvel Universe. But you can think of one high example. Uh, Yeah, I was about to say, someone's got the high ground. Mm Mm-hmm, exactly, as to who that might be. Um... Someone who's going to show up in the MCU um, at some right. point soon, also, by the way. Right. You know, we can't underestimate his power. Don't try it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, um, folks, it's been a long, long month, basically. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but this, this issue in itself is kind of fun. Like I said, the, um, uh, there's some 
so, some shenanigans to be had in in a way because there's a the the conceit that that leads um, Lunella and her family to Wakanda to to further the the plot along was interesting enough and what happens with uh, the the clone that they do have with them to try to to study and the royal gardens is kind of amusing which uh, made uh, a particular royal family member quite upset it was kind of funny. Um, but it like that. This it, it was fun without going to too much of it. But there was a lot of people that showed up uh, during the course of this uh, this issue, and I I suppose looks to just like with the mixed Marvel um, Wolverine book. Also, a bunch of people kind of come in and out of the the issue, um, and like I said, going into the next one, we have two in particular. One of which who was in that in in that Ms. Marvel Wolverine book, and their name was in the title by the way, uh, shows up at the end of this as a factor. So we'll see where that goes uh, in the next issue of this thing, which I assume is probably, as these have tended to go, they're usually like three issues of this thing, so I think the last, the next issue of Moon Girl and X-Men is probably going to be the last one of this crossover uh, one-shots. And that, folks, is it for me. Clicks of the Week. Alrighty, Clicks of the Week. Uh, oh, we did get uh, a couple of clicks. Yeah, we have. Our... I was about to say we have clicks from every member of the Comic Book Chronicles today. Yeah, uh, and as I count, uh, we count them all right now. As I try to get make some notes in the background. Let's see. First one we got is Tim's was X A X E Justice. Not Justice. I'm about to say Justice League. AXE Judgment Day number two was right. uh, was Tim's click. Uh, and I did. I think I did mention he said he didn't watch uh, Paper Girls yet, but he added it to his list. Um, back up here. Yeah, I, clicked, I was about to say I already clicked like on that, so yeah, I acknowledge that. that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he didn't say anything else uh, more about that. And Dirt's click is A Town Called Terror number 5, which I believe you, Agent 70, said was an image book. Correct. Um, does he say anything about that? Do, 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 do. No, he doesn't really. So, yeah, that's it. Cool. So, I'll tell you what my two books are, and I've already said that. Said, said, said both of, I've mentioned both of them as potential clicks of the week for me. One of them is Predator number one by Ed Briss and Kev Walker and Friends. The other one being AXE Judgment Day number two uh, to second uh, at TimDog98. So I'm kind of in between those two. Do you have a solid pick for yours? I do not have a solid click. Um, it's kind of between Miss Marvel and Wolverine. Um... You know, like Miss Marvel and Wolverine was one. Um, Avengers almost became one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man is actually kind of one. Um, but yeah, it's kind of teetering between those. Act, Judgment Day is, is is definitely up there also because man, there's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's one reason why I'm leaning towards it. I'm still thinking though. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. Like this, there, there. I, I can safely say that there has been some good things I've read. You know, whether the equalizer meter um, brings them up other over others is, is a thing. Um, outside of the ones that I've mentioned, mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Actually, I'm probably going to go with uh, Miss Marvel and Wolverine. Like I, said, I, I thought that was a, a, a fun thing, even though it was kind of it was kind of breezy. Cool. So. Cool. I think I'm going to second Tim's choice of AXE Judgment Day number two. Okay. Although I really did enjoy that first issue of Predator. I think it probably helped that I was fresh off of watching Prey yeah. and reading this book too. So I think that definitely primed the pump for me in reading this book. But I'm going to go with AXE Judgment Day number two and second uh, the choice of Click of the Week by at timdog98 make sure to follow him on social media and you'll see him writing up a bunch of articles on comicbook.com sure we'll talk about that again later uh yeah i i'm i'm looking forward to checking out that predator book um because it was a curiosity that i didn't get to much like when the uh, alien books started uh coming about anyway uh we're going to get into the news section but first let's get an ad read our first ad read of the night, for those of you who choose to imbibe, is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door, from rosé to cabernet to torrente. Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Have you ever tried an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel any time. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash Wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W. I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. We should probably try to rapid fire the news, too. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah, yeah, we we got that. We got that. Because we both read a lot of books this week. Yeah, we got that. Um, Idris Elba... And Deadpool 2 director team we um, apparently are going to collaborate on a Netflix movie for Dark Horse. So if your bigger card is uh, out there, I'm sure that'll fill up most of them. Per The Hollywood Reporter, the new film is based on the Dark Horse comic by a series uh, by Matt Kent, Wilfredo Torres, Nayong Kim, and Nate uh, Payekos. And I guess this uh, book is called Bang! Because you got to put that, you know, that punctuation on it. Um, Kent will adapt the film alongside screenwriter uh, Zach um, Oskowitz, and it's produced by Elba, uh, Lech, 87 North's uh, Kelly McCormick, and Dark Horse's Mike Richardson and Kelly Goldberg. Excuse me, Keith Goldberg. Uh, and it says here, Bang! 
will follow a terrorist cult that attempts to bring forth the apocalypse using a brainwashing novel series. Sure. Um, okay, next up. Next up in uh, news that I had absolutely no familiarity with. <laughs> The winner of RuPaul's Drag Race, Shay Coulee, is set to join the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the upcoming Disney Plus series, Ironheart. I, you know, listen. All I could say is, who? Because, you know, I'm looking at this name like, you sure that's not Dave Coulier? It's Shay Coulee? But I know it's a stage name, right? So... At the end of the day, according to Deadline, Kool-Aid has boarded the rest, the cast of Marvel Studios' Ironheart in an undisclosed role. Kool-Aid joined series lead Dominique Thorne, who plays Riri Williams, as well as the likes of Hamilton's Anthony Ramos and solo a Star Wars story's Alden Ehrenreich, whose roles are similarly be, being kept under wraps. Okay. Yeah, I saw Oh, she Kool-Aid is the drag identity of Jaren Kaye Merrill. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah, young 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 Han is. Um, I saw a rumor where he might be playing um, uh, did this a Killian from from the Iron Man thing, but or something. I can't remember actually. So, oh no, uh, 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 Stain's son Zeke. Oh Zeke Stain. Okay. Yeah, so, but that's that's rumor. So that, there's that hasn't been confirmed or anything. But I was like, that'll be interesting. If that's the case, because um, she also might, built a. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say they might bring more extremists back. Possibly, quite possibly. Yeah. Uh, next up, though, uh, speaking of Ironheart, set photos confirm major Marvel villain debut, and also reveals um, Rhea Williams' uh, uh, version one ar- armor. So we find out that. Um, Apparently, because of set photos, Anthony Ramos is possibly playing the hood. Hmm. And there has been a little discussion about uh, this, this set photo. Because if you're watching the video, you can see it right now. He looks like a... a, a personally, he looks like an Iron... Uh, not an Iron Man, a Doctor Strange variant. <laughs> or really? someone, some from, from, someone from, from that uh, uh, liking. I mean, for those that don't know, uh, the hood is named because he has a hood that's magical and he goes around, you know, shooting folks. Not a nice guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, but like I said, the set photos kind of look like, yeah, he could have been, he could have been then Dr. Strange with that, uh, with that get up. But hey, it's just me. And it's again, interesting. I was about to say, hold that thought. It's interesting that they would use this that they would use this vehicle as a way to introduce another magical character. Mm -hmm. Even though the hood is like semi magical because it's just the hood. That's magic. He's just a two bit hood. Right. Literally. And, uh, you know, but, but at the same time, it's a magical concept. So it's interesting that they would use the Ironheart show as a vehicle. Obviously there is the contrast between high tech and the magic, but Mm -hmm. my understanding also, I don't know if you have a story on this. I did read something where, they're going to introduce um, 
some sort of variation on Riri's second current armor, which is more alien, and maybe they might bring in more magic into it, so as opposed to making it alien. So I think that's what this second um, that is what is that is in this article. Because okay. If you're watching the video version, you're seeing a, a version of her armor uh, that does indeed look kind of mechish. <laughs> And not like uh, her her comic book uh, armor, but it wasn't going to anyway because you know that's kind of how the MCU you know, gets down. So, but yeah, I think that is that is, that is what they're going for with this uh, this this particular piece. Alrighty. Uh, next up, though. Next up, Mark Ruffalo's Hulk will get a Marvel Studios Legends Disney Plus special. So this is, you know, ahead of his appearance in She-Hulk. And so this is basically a docu-series that uh, is, a, it's a, the Marvel Studios Legend series are a bunch of five to ten minute mini documentaries covering the history of these characters within, or objects within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, highlighting some of their most significant moments and providing a refresher for casual fans in advance of a new release. If you are listening to this podcast, you are not a casual, but it might prove to be a refresher anyway. It might be. But yeah, and that I think that actually that is out. I can confirm because I think I did see um, I saw that on social media that uh, that this uh, this is out already. So if you have um, Disney Plus, you can go ahead and check it out. I am also kind of slightly kind of curious about this because from the beats we know that this version of the Hulk has gone through and what they're setting up in She Hulk that has nothing to do with this particular version of the Hulk. I'm curious if they're going to. Uh, Put that part in. I mean, obviously, this is more Hulk, Mark Ruffalo, Hulk centric, and that part has to do with Abomination, which you know um, mm-hmm. has nothing to do with that. But I'm, I'm very curious about that. Anyway, speaking of She-Hulk, Mark Ruffalo and Tatiana Maslany's uh, instant chemistry inspired She-Hulk changes. So, um, let's see, head writer Jessica Gao and director Kat Corio. Uh, who are also executive producers for the show, show uh, She-Hulk Attorney at Now uh, Law, recently shared some background on the two stars' chemistry during a Television Critics uh, Association panel. It's a quote, uh, when we watched you guys, it really felt like, yo, you're cousins uh, who've been bickering for years at every family reunion, says Gal. Uh, to the point where you two inspired additional, addition, uh, excuse me, additions to the script, uh, so which basically says that yeah so they they hit it off so well and the chemistry was so good that they they added some more some more uh stuff between them to the show that being said and it also led to the building out the uh, the montages in the trailer so cool next up next up so this is a, a, a an updated article here that had uh, a, a promo from she, for She-Hulk, which uh, uh, which at first blush seemed to quietly introduce the Avengers superhero comic book quote unquote boyfriend, but apparently it was later found in the trailer that this obscured figure that was thought to be Jack of Hearts (spoiler alert) is actually classic Daredevil villain the Matador. Neither Marvel Studios nor Disney have confirmed the character's identity, but the costumes are nearly identical to, you know, for the Matador. So we'll see how this plays out. She-Hulk comes out next week. Yep. So it's not 
We've said this before. There's a lot of uh, MCU-fication in the comics, and the She-Hulk, um, uh, current She-Hulk miniseries is no no uh, different because right. Jack of Hearts is in there. So I, I'm not making any excuses for whoever thought this was the case, but I'm just saying I can see where <laughs> something like that could be construed. Like, even though I'm sure that like was you jumping could the jump gun. to that conclusion pretty quickly based on you know based on what you saw. I presume I right. didn't. I haven't looked at it, but I, I, I would guess. I. Yeah, because I didn't see this, so I don't know if, if that was the case or not. So, mm-hmm. plus, I feel like there was a telltale sign if the, if you saw enough of the character to distinguish the two, or at least distinguish if you know who what Jack of Hearts looks like. I should say that that would distinguish him from this other character. But who's to say? Next up. Um, Eternals 2, uh, Patton Oswalt seemingly announces the Marvel sequel uh, to the Eternals. So during a recent appearance on the Today Show, uh, Patton Oswalt discussed the Eternals mid-credit scene where he and Harry Styles appear as Pip Patrol and Arrow Star Fox. Uh, spoiler alert. He <laughs> uh, says, uh, they have announced there's going to be an Eternal sequel, Oswalt said. Chloe Zhao is going to direct it. So hopefully there's going to be more adventures of Star Fox and Pip. Um, Marvel has, in fact, not announced an internal sequel uh, uh, as of yet, meaning Oswald may have made the announcement prematurely, which has happened uh, with with another property uh, recently, by the way, uh, or is speculating based on his insider knowledge. Seriously, snipers, stand down. Stand down. No need to take out Patton Oswalt. So here's... Oh, no! The Marvel Snipers! (laughs) Stand down. So here's the thing. It it should stand the reason that there should be a sequel, given the way that Eternals ended. That's all I'm going to say about that part. It makes all the sense. Right. Now, that kid's... Whether he did indeed uh, prematurely let the cat out of the bag, or he just kind of, you know... I mean, that's also a good way to put it out there to be like, hey, I kind of want this to happen to be the case, you know, you know, manifest it. Exactly. Manifest it. And that being said, like I said, the other case that I was talking about was, I don't know if you saw this, uh, um, uh, Rosario Dawson had basically went out there and, and said that, yeah, they're doing another Punisher um, thing uh, that's coming up. And then she had to end up walking that back. Right. So... Things like that kind of happen sometimes. <laughs> the, the snipers do end up, end, end up coming out at times. Right. Anyway, next up. Next up. So uh, the Andor release, we know, had a, initially been pushed back just a touch. But now we have the release schedule for the entire uh, season one of Andor, which has been confirmed to be the first of two seasons. So the first three episodes of the first season of Andor will premiere on Wednesday, September 21st, and each following episode will premiere on each following Wednesday up to and through Wednesday, November 23rd. So you're basically going from Wednesday, September 21st, all the way through Thanksgiving. Yeah, not only that. 12. With Andor. Yeah, 12 episodes at that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as opposed to, we, you know, the six we've been getting for, you know, other stuff like, like Obi-Wan and right. whatnot. Actually, I think that's probably one of, the only, one of the only ones from Star Wars that's gotten like that, now that I think about it. Um, anyway, yeah, that, there you go. 
excuse me, um, Archer season 13 trailer has been released. I did not know the show was still going on. <laughs> I love the show, but it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, season 13, like I said, is, is coming up uh, on FFX uh, on August 24th. Um, and yeah, most of the cast com- is coming back. As we know, you know, um, Jessica Walters has passed. So I, as far as I know, they may have addressed that already or, or will address that uh, during this issue, uh, this um, season. Don't know. But it looks like the, they also have a, a slate of guest stars uh, coming up, including some folks that have been on the show before. So that's cool. Next up. Next up in an article by our very own at Tim Dog 98. The long-rumored Supergirl movie that would have spun out of the Flash feature film may be the latest casualty of Warner Brothers Discovery's penny-pinching. Ezra Miller's The Flash is reportedly the lightning rod that will kickstart an all-new DC universe, but uh, um, one of the film's co-stars is Sasha Cali as Supergirl, the cousin of Superman. It's believed Warner Brothers had big plans for Supergirl with her own solo movie in development, but a new report appears to place Supergirl on the shelf alongside Batgirl, which is just about... Yeah, it's a whole there thing. There it is. It's a whole thing. We'll get into. Well, we have gotten into it, so we don't necessarily. Need to go mm-hmm. too it's just continuing. Like, that's the funny part. Oh, it just keeps going. Yep, and that's what this next slate of news is about. Incidentally, um, I don't have this in the uh, in the news, but I believe it was said that that Blue Beetle movie um, is rumored to be still on tap at this point. There's no confirmation one way or the other, but that's one that at least didn't that uh, that. That's off the. That's not on the block anymore, the chopping block that is. Next up, though, uh, new Superman show still on Cartoon Network despite Warner Brothers cuts. The aforementioned Warner Brothers cuts. So, my adventures with Superman producer Josie Campbell has confirmed that the DC animated series is still set to premiere on Cartoon Network next year, despite um, uh, uh, Warner Brothers and Discovery's decision to pull back on children and animated content and live action content at that. They didn't didn't put that in. Um, Writer, excuse me, Campbell, writer of DC comic book series, new champion of uh, Shazam, which I think I talked about last week, uh, recently partook in an AMA on Reddit um, alongside Evan Doc Shaner, uh, the artist of that said book and uh, confirmed that the show is uh, still on tap. So in adding, get ready. There you go. Next. Next up in news that I actually did not find out until I read, until I heard uh, Kevin Smith talk about it on Fat Man Beyond with Mark Bernardin. Uh, his DC project, Strange Adventures, that was supposed to be on HBO Max, has also been canceled uh, following Warner Brothers' merger with Discovery. So he talked about this on the Babel on the Hollywood Babylon podcast that he is a part of, and also on the Fat Man Beyond podcast that he's a part of. And so he basically got a call from Eric Carrasco, uh, who is the Supergirl writer, who told him that Strange Adventures is officially dead. So again, yeah. 
Um, one show that is seemingly still going on is HBO Max's Green Lantern show. And in fact, there's a release date that seemingly has been revealed. Um, let's see, this is a Greg Berlanti joint. The show was uh, put in development back in uh, 2019. And it, according to this article, would become the most expensive DC TV series that has been created by for Warner Brothers. Uh, again, according to this article. Um, Green Lantern received a series pickup in 2020 for 10 episodes with Seth Graham uh, Smith as a showrunner. It says here it'll be an ensemble cast, which we think we knew about. And it looks as though... Oh, it says, according to uh, Entertainment Identifier Registry, uh, some somebody on Twitter, uh, the release window has been revealed to be sometime in 2024. Um, and it says here that the uh, Entertainment Identifier Registry is what many uh, media companies are using in order to keep up with their content that gets released on various platforms. So, somewhat legit source, I guess. Mm-hmm. Until they change, uh, <laughs> until one of the brothers slashes that, which I doubt Green Lantern would be the one that'll be under the knife. Just saying. Next up, ah, uh, I would get these <laughs> stories. All right, so check this: the Flash's Ezra Miller has allegedly been caught on camera burglarizing a home in Vermont. I mean, it's Vermont, yo. What the hell is? What are y'all trying to steal up there? Variety reports that Miller has been charged with felony burglary in connection with the incident in a small Vermont town of Stamford on May 1st. Man, it's a while ago. Yeah, New Warriors is not around. What happened? The New Warriors weren't around. Yeah, for real. State police. No, I thought it was Stamford, Connecticut. Yeah, that was still. It was the connection to the (laughs) show. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Where's where's my where's my there we go. There it is. Variety reports Miller has been charged. Uh wait, state police reportedly received a burglary complaint from a residence on that evening of May first. While the homeowners were not present during the incident, multiple bottles of alcohol were allegedly taken from the home. After reviewing surveillance videos and statements from those affected, police determined there was probable cause to charge Miller. Police were finally able to locate the actor on the night of August 7th to formally issue them a citation. And Miller is expected to appear for arraignment in Vermont Superior Court on September 26th. Uh... I'm getting too old for this shit. Seriously. Either that dude actually does uh, have uh, access to the Speed Force or he's a teleporter because all of these reports have been from wildly different areas that he's been seeing in burglarizing. So he's becoming a super super uh, super villain in his own right. Even true, true. People still somehow love him and pitying him. That's people No, so seriously, man. People so... Your mother yeah. brought you up wrong, that's what it is. Yeah, people are still... <laughs> but... <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. But it's also, <laughs> it's only certain people that get that treatment, and I'm not even going to go into that. But um, Oh, no, no, no. We, you know, we, we're not even touching that one. I mean. Yeah. What you talking about, So. Um, actually, one, uh, well, the, the next is going to be uh, a continuation of what I was about to uh, 
Go ahead. Talk about anyway. But I want to say before I go along, apparently Disney, according to this article on the side of this article here, Disney's uh, Hulk special completely ignores Ed Norton's origin movie. So that answers the question I had earlier. I was going to ask. I was curious to watch that just to see if we see the Incredible Hulk. Right. And that's the thing I was kind of wondering about. It's like, so are they going to actually do anything with that part? And then there you go. So, um, yeah. I mean, what if kind of did it? They just, but that was a different, different situation. Um, right. Anyway, back on track. Uh, the Flash is testing great, uh, according, uh, despite Ezra Miller's off-screen controversies, and this is according to an article from Deadline, I guess. Uh, yes, that Flash movie is still on track, even though he's been burglarizing places left or he's been doing shit left and right, y'all. But his yeah, movie, I was about to say, it's not just burglarizing. Right. He's talking about like. Harassment you know, and yeah, harassing yeah. and like grooming stuff. Oh my god, man! It's, it's Seriously, enough. but it's Seriously. still on track. Your mother brought you up wrong. That's what it is. <laughs> but yet, Batgirl gets canceled. Just saying. That's where you go back to the CO inspiracy. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. Damn! I got a bunch of these sound effects. I don't get to use that often. I have them <laughs> on my reaction board, so you know, I'm, I'm on this. You know, like. You know, <laughs> apparently he's also been, yeah, the, the, he's been accused. Well, excuse me. He's been, yeah, he's been accused of leading a cult during his time in Iceland also. So that's a, another, Oh my goodness. A, a, another thing going on here. This is so ridiculous. Let us move on, please. All right. Am I up now? All yep. right. So the, the, uh, DC movies will follow. No, DC will have a 10-year plan akin to Marvel's playbook, says David Zaslav, who is the Warner Brothers Discovery executive. He also addressed Scrapping Batgirl, saying, our job is to protect the DC brand. Okay, lame. Bullshit. So, I feel like... Right, I, I, I get what Roddy Cad just said. He's not meaning to interrupt. He's just saying something that we're all thinking. Mm-hmm. But I feel like... A previous DC executive, a Warner executive, said the same exact thing, and they didn't do it. And then mm-hmm. they decided to, quote-unquote, make themselves director-friendly, and then found that... Sh- Sorry, folks. I've had a bit <laughs> of... Uh, a, uh, I've had a bit of a relationship with Jack Daniel today. And I haven't been drinking. I just went for it. <laughs> right. I'm like, yo, they said the same shit. Mm-hmm. Like... Six or seven years ago, they haven't done anything. They decided to go full on with this creator, quote unquote, director driven direction, and it never panned out. We got now we're about to get two Joker movies with Poker Face leading one of them. <laughs> well, the, the, the second of two, we already got one, but yeah. Right. Well, leading the second one, let's say. Right. But at the end of the day, They've tri- they, they, they said they wanted to try this, but I guess they just did a half-assed job of it. And now, with the onset of the Warner Brothers Discovery merger, they're like, you know what? Let's give that another shot. That seems like an excellent idea. Right. Because it works so well the first time. Oh, my gosh. And they're scrapping stuff that shouldn't be scrapped in, in various states of completeness. For what reason? This still makes no sense. And you know what's wild, right? And you know what's wild is that I, you know, when I was listening to Fat Man Beyond, mm-hmm. uh, both Mark Bernardin and Kevin Smith mentioned something that I hadn't thought of before. Okay. 
what they mentioned is that you know even though uh, even though Captain Marvel really was just an okay movie, a lot of people went out to support it because it was the first uh, superhero movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that had a leading female character. Yep. Don't you think that you would get the same outpouring of support? For the first female Batman-centric character, obviously the first female character was female lead character was Wonder Woman, but this is the Batman universe. There's a lot of Batman people, and Batgirl, especially in the Barbara Gordon uh, iteration, is going to be very popular, no matter who you cast as you know in, in the role. Right. So give yourself a chance to make that money and to create that fan base. Yeah, that's right. what they said, and I full I found myself in agreement with them. I had not thought of it that way. Right. Uh, that, yeah, I, I I agree with that also. So it, it it makes logical sense, and if we know CEOs and uh, uh, um, folks like that don't always make logical sense. They the bottom line is money, in most cases, and that just doesn't right. Truck if that tax write off is that lucrative, then I sort of understand it. But there's no on. way in the world that's just it. That's just it. I'm sorry, especially with the movies that are the. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a part of it, but come on, to, to hinge on that with all the other stuff with what we just what we just discussed still on right. the play. But I think that I think the deadline. You know, I think there is a deadline, and I think the deadline to do that for the Flash movie, I think, has come and gone. I think that was the speculation that this is just speculation that I'm saying secondhand from the Fat Man Beyond podcast. I did not bother to look this up. I think I was listening to it yesterday. I haven't had time. Uh, have not had time. Well, I'm going to go ahead and still say bullshit once more. So <laughs> Listen, let that be you know, for you, me. It's not, like, it's not like you're disagreeing with me. It's right. just that we both have different ways of looking at it. Right. You know? So. Next up. Uh, you got next. Oh, um, hey, speaking of HBO Max, 40, the HBO Max's 45-day theatrical to streaming window is no longer Warner Brothers policy. This has kind of been a thing that's already been, well, slightly known, given what they've been doing. Uh, but I guess this is a confirmation. Uh, it says here that uh, there's no longer a guarantee that um, uh, Warner Brothers moves will make their way onto HBO Max after the 45-day a theatrical release. In fact, I believe it says in this uh, um, report that it's going to be on a case-by-case basis, which feels like that's what's been going on anyway. Anyway. So, I, it is what it is on that. It's just ball being dropped left and right with this thing. Or at least personally, as a, from a consumer standpoint, the ball is being dropped left and right, you know. If they do absolutely have some kind of cogent reasoning behind this nonsense, you know, it's not being it's not being uh, shown very well. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is personally, but anyway, next up. So, in not unexpected news, in pretty much expected news, let's not do a double negative there. <laughs> The media company HBO Warner Brother, uh, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery announced that HBO Max, that its HBO Max app and the Discovery Plus app are going to merge in summer of 2023. They're going to launch a new service that's going to fuse those two together. And we'll see how all that plays out in summer of 2023. Yeah. I mean, with that merger, I guess there's the expected, well, what are they going to do with? the subscribers of HBO Max 
and probably the one or two people that Discovery Plus may or may not have. And then when there was right. that whole controversy, uh, or not necessarily controversy, that's a, the probably, uh, for lack of a better word, that's what it was, uh, that came out saying whether... There was something about whether women uh, actually watched HBO Max in the first place. Because there was something... Really? Yeah, I don't know, something that was going around social media. Uh, about that, I, I can't remember the the full thing. I was about thing. to say if they're if they're into Game of Thrones and watching that on like uh, what call it on 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 demand, I'm sure that they, they watched on HBO Max. I mean, that was one of the things that came up, you know. Uh, yeah. The the, the 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 talking back about it, but I mean, but it even goes farther than that. It's just a, it seems to be just a ludicrous ass thing to even for anyone to say or if anybody of any note to say if that was the case, you know. Right. Because there's probably more people in general, men and or women, who's watching HBO Max for any amount of reason than anything on Discovery. Yeah. So none of it makes sense. What's on Discovery Plus that you really need to watch if you don't already have the Discovery Channel on cable? It's for the the people who – you know what it is? It's for the people who uh, uh, unplugged. Sure. But again – you know they're, tar- they're 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 trying to target the people who decided to cut the cord. Right. You could you, know? you could have left that as what's on discovery, and mm-hmm. and, and that could have said, said the same thing. I mean, listen. One of my guilty pleasures is watching a bunch of rednecks make moonshine <laughs> on okay. the Discovery Channel. I'm like, look at these crazy rednecks go. Right. You know. Mm, fair enough. Fair enough. There there are those guilty pleasures such as that on I guess something like that. Uh, next up, though, um, HBO has a comedy about superhero movie making that's in the works, apparently. Uh, there is a greenlit pilot for The Franchise, which is a half-hour comedy about making superhero movies. They have nothing to go on, apparently. They have no, um, <laughs> no, no nothing they have to go on to, 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 uh, to, to, uh, on that subject. I don't know why they would even be making this. Uh, but the pilot comes from Veep and Avenue 5 creator... Armando um, Lanucci, excuse me, and former James Bond director Sam Mendez. Uh, the premise for the pilot says it follows a hopeful crew trapped inside the dysfunctional, nonsensical, joyous hellscape of franchise superhero movie making. Uh, if and when they finally make the day, uh, the question they must face is Hollywood's new dawn, or uh, is this Hollywood's new dawn, or cinema's last stand? Uh, and then it goes on from there. So. You you kind of get the feel of what they're going for there. Uh, let's see. Yeah, like I said, and this, this just goes on. Uh, some other people that are attached to this project, but not when this project may or may not be coming along. Because like I said, it's, it's only a greenlit pilot. So whether it uh, actually gets uh, a series order, I guess we'll find out at some point. Right. Next up, IDW Entertainment has officially entered a development deal with. Anima, the leading animation studio in Latin America. Under this deal, IDW and Anima will develop and produce an adult animated series based on IDW Publishing's comic book series, Brutal Nature, created by Luciano Saracino and Ariel Olivetti. Brutal Nature centers on a collection of masks that transforms a young man into innumerable beasts and monsters. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's another article out there somewhere that's with some more deals, but that's for next week. New Aquatine, the Hunger Force movie, releases first clip, uh, first look clip. Uh, when is this coming out? 
Uh, let's see. Those film announced that the team behind the series was returning for a new feature film meant to be released on home video, VOD, and HBO Max. Uh, there was a panel at the Adult Swim Festival block party. Um, doesn't say when this is coming out. Uh, oh, wait. November looks like. So, yeah, if you are a fan of Aqua Teen Hunger First, there's some more coming your way. Next up. Netflix's upcoming live-action adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender casts Momona Tamada from The Boys as Ty Lee. Okay. Yep. Who? I am not familiar. Yeah, listen. Uh, you know, I'm not familiar with either actress or character, so yeah, I guess who is appropriate. I know the character. Don't know the, don't, don't, don't know the actress, so... I still got one up on you. Wait, I thought you watched Avatar. Mm-mm, oh, I watched The Boys, so I don't recognize you know this character. I've not watched Avatar yet. Oh, okay, it's oh, not man. even on my list. I thought it was, but anyway, that's that's another that's another discussion for later. <laughs> yeah, The Last Airbender. That's a lot of stuff to watch, man. Oh no, but it goes great. I mean, it's 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 put that on your list. That's all I'll say. Um, we're gonna get into Anime Corner now. All right, here we go. We got a uh, we got a new little ditty for uh, for you guys for Anime Corner. <laughs> One Piece TV air, anime airs tie-in prologue to film uh, Red, which is the name of the new One Piece One Piece film coming up. So the official website for the One Piece film Red anime film uh, announced on Thursday that the One Piece television anime will uh, air tie-in prolonged episodes to the movie on August 14th, which, hey, that's coming up quite soon. Uh, And the 21st. Wow, both of those are birthdays of of people that I know. Anyway, uh, the episodes will depict moments that take place uh, 10 years before the events of the film and will feature young Luffy and Uta with Shanks' red hair pirates uh young nami and zoro as well as returning characters will make an appearance uh episodes will show the star hat crew making their way to elega elegia i guess uh the island of music and setting for the film so yeah uh the the film will open on in japanese on japan on saturday we'll have an imax screening Yada yada yada, and we'll end up eventually come to Crunchyroll at some point. Uh, yeah, this sometime this fall. Next, so Kaiju Number Eight is one of the biggest manga series that has not yet been brought to the small screen in animation. However, uh, it has been announced that an anime ad- adaptation is on the way. Um, Let's see. A release date is still a mystery, though, and there are plenty of unanswered questions surrounding the upcoming show. So it has been announced, but there's not much else to that. Yeah, there is a first trailer, though. Mm -hmm. I had never heard of it up until recently. So go figure. Uh, Next up, though, think Uh, Bleach creator Soto's Orihime debate with heated comments. I was just going to to put here that yeah, you know, some people don't like Orihime. I think she was mishandled, uh, but I guess because she kind of comes off a certain way. And <laughs> uh, anywho, 
well, not ish in that way. Ish is like, man, you could have done better with this character. Anyway, during the Twitter exchange, uh, TJ Kubo had apparently retweeted a fan stating um, that while they loved Rukia um, of Bleach, uh, they weren't too fond of Orihime, leading uh, Tite to uh, take the opportunity to clear the air, a.k.a. Uh, defend his kid. <laughs> and then... Quote, uh, and then I saw the kids tweet and uh, might have been shocking to normal Rukia fans uh, and said, um, I love basically what was just said, but it didn't give me any bad impressions of Rukia fans. Uh, and he goes on to um, basically say something like, readers don't have the privilege of changing the story. And hey, just, you know, blah, 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 yakety smackety. But uh, leave my kid alone. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing there real quick. Next up. Okay. All right. Bleach will be making its grand return to screens later this year with the final arc of the series. I had no idea. Mm. Bleach is on my list. All right. The anime has added some new names to the cast for the thousand year blood war arc with the original run of the anime adaptation ending before series creator Tite Kubo ended the manga run of the series. Fans never quite got to see all of the massive battles that took place over the series' grand finale. That's why fans have been eager to see the series return to anime ever since its original cancellation, and now they finally get the chance to do so later this year. Okay. Yeah. Um, Bleach, like Naruto, has uh, a feral arc or two that might push you off of the series at some point. I don't think it might not be as bad as that bleach of, um, I mean, as uh, the the Naruto one, but you will just right. be able to decide that for yourself. I like bleach. I I still haven't I finished. Uh, I still haven't finished the, the uh, whole thing because it's a lot. It's also long. Right, it's on my list. So the new anime means some new characters, especially mm-hmm. the new names joining the cast for Bleach. Thousand Year Blood War were announced through a series, through the series' official Twitter account and official website, and. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. So if you're a fan of this, good for you. It is on my list. I am still at the very earliest stages of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Yep. And opening a couple of the opening themes of bangers. So personally, anyway. Uh, Link Click, the English dub reveals release date and voice cast. So the popular Donghua, uh, which is Chinese animated series, Link Click, is finally getting an English dub. I'd never heard of that um genre before uh but sure according to crunchyroll the dub of the show's first episode emma will uh, premiere on the streaming surface on uh, august 8th which has already passed with the rest of the episodes debuting over the following weeks uh several members of the cast were announced along with the release date most notably uh the the people in this article who i'm not going to uh to to rattle off here but uh, there you go. Uh, if you know what that uh, anime slash manga is, you are one up on me because this is the first time I've heard about this. But uh, it seems interesting because it's time traveling and photography, which, you know, two things I'm interested in. Next up. Next up. At the Bungo Stray Dogs panel held at Crunchyroll Expo 2022, Bones President Masahiko Minami and producer Chiaki Kurakane reveal the latest trailer for Bungo Stray Dogs Season 4 alongside a brand new key visual and the announcement that the new season will premiere in, the, in January 2023. I, I don't think I have this on my list. No, you don't. You, uh, you would. Uh, I, I have seen, I remember seeing, watching the first um, 
the the first part of the season for this, and I I thought it was pretty good. I never did revisit it because it did some it it did a jump, let's just say um, that was interesting, but I never did go back to because I think it the, it took a break between it coming back for uh, the rest of the first season. I never did go back to it, but I'm looking forward to revisiting this. I didn't know it got four seasons either because I, I knew it was like two. So I'm looking forward to checking this, uh, to finishing up and checking this out. It's, it was a pretty interesting from where it was anyway, uh, story, um, Akira, your name and more movies are coming to Crunchyroll. Uh, excuse me. So let's see, da, 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 da. the streaming service has been growing dramatically ever since it's joined forces with Funimation and Sony. So that's where a lot of this is coming from. Um, Crunchyroll announced during their industry panel during the Crunchyroll Expo that they'll be launching a new initiative that will add new movies to the streaming service every Thursday beginning on uh, August 11th, which has just passed, and running through October. Uh, This not only includes major releases like the aforementioned Akira, uh, but releases from uh, massive franchises such as uh, Free, Fairytale, Psychopaths, Code Geass, uh, Black Butler and Jujutsu Kaisen, which uh, I believe Jujutsu Kaisen Zero is probably going to be in that lot. So I'm looking forward to checking that out. Um, and uh, more things. And there is a list of stuff, including the aforementioned Jujutsu Kaisen, which is coming on September 21st. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, that is I haven't watched Jujutsu Kaisen Zero yet. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think I have through, you know, other means. Right. Yeah, same, same. So, but uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see the list uh, of uh, stuff that is coming uh, up until uh, September. So, and I guess I was able to watch My Hero Academia, uh, the most recent movie, the superhero movie. Oh, nice. Okay. I did. I think I mentioned it on the show like some weeks back. You You know, like it was, but it was definitely like a month or two ago that I watched it. So I was able to, I was able to find a way to watch that. And it was, it was fun. No, it's nothing earth shattering it's out of continuity you know the ovas that just came out on Crunchyroll are are in continuity even though they don't make any difference into the major into the main story right and season six is coming so wait it is season six mm-hmm. right yeah so there you go yep. uh next up next up i would get the story <laughs> of course you do <laughs> Haikyuu is one of the biggest and best sports anime to ever hit television <laughs> fans are never shy about their love of the series Agent underscore 70 included. (laughs) Hinata and Kageyama have millions of fans to their names, after all. With the manga now over, all eyes have been on the future, as many have wondered when Haikyuu would return to television. And now a mysterious countdown has gone live to the delight of fans, including myself. (laughs) The whole thing cropped up online as the official site for Haikyuu in Japan began the ordeal. The new countdown is set to end on August 13th, so that is this Saturday. So we'll find out on Saturday uh, what's up. So fans can expect some sort of announcement to be made. Given the manga status, fans are pretty certain this countdown has to do with the anime and this tracks given recent reports. You know, uh, we talked about it, I believe, on last week's show mm-hmm. that um, that some Japanese manga like fan news sites had reported that uh it's already been confirmed that the next season of haiku is coming out so i'm jazzed i'm happy (laughs) um i'm a giant fan (laughs) i wish roddy cat would watch this i wish some other people 
I wish some of the other people on my anime advisory board would watch this because it is such a great anime. Wait, why haven't they watched it? I'm surprised. Because what you because told me about that group. Anime. Oh, because gotcha. it's a sports anime that's not their sport. Gotcha. You know, like I've got a buddy who watched the the that basketball one, Slam but it's a, that one's a little too supernatural for me. I tried watching the first episode, <laughs> but I was like, "What the heck?" Oh, you talking like, about uh, Slam Dunk? Or... No, it's the start. The one that starts with a K. Oh, okay. Anyway, go. Yeah. Right, right. But the point is that you know it has some supernatural elements to it. I'm like, mm. there's like the tiniest bit of like super player things going on in uh in haiku but you know there's not much to it like it really is just a you know a really fun sports anime so i (laughs) recommend it to anyone and everyone i can and you know like one of the one of the 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 longtime members you know pre-meeting all of you guys you know who was just an old family friend he's younger than me Mm -hmm. but he's been you know one of the the main um supporters of anime to me over the years and he's never watched because he was just never was interested in sports anime at all right so you know once i burned through haikyuu i'm like you gotta watch this you gotta watch this he's like well i've never really liked sports anime i'm like you'll like this one so yeah see unlike my my not watching dislike of 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 sports ball in itself there are some sports anime that i would check out like i'm actually watching one now now that i think about it Technically, well, yeah, actually, sports. So I'm not above it. I will check this out at some point. Is um, it the baseball one? No, actually, I have not. Watched, I don't think I've watched any of that one. Um, actually, there's a couple of those, so I can, it could be mm-hmm. either one. But um, no, it's a golf one, actually. Oh, okay. Actually, it's it's a pretty pretty amusing. I feel like okay. there's probably another sports animated that I've actually watched at some point, but I don't remember what it is right off the bat. Anywho's, ladies and gentlemen, Haikyuu is so good. <laughs> Yes, I have heard as much uh, uh, when it was uh, when people were watching it in real time. So I'm not surprised. So we're, that. we're transitioning over to comic book news. We are <laughs> one last bit of manga news, uh, actually. Oh, we do. Oh, okay, sorry, yeah. I didn't. No, see no, it. no, no. You're still good because technically it is a nice bridge. Um, Dark Horse announces a release date for Keep Your Hands Off, um, Isaacin, Volume Five. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if folks, some folks probably know Dark Horse is in the manga. It's been for some quite some time actually, uh, but they've recently announced uh, the volume five of the series that I just mentioned. The manga follows um, uh, Asakusa and uh, Mizuzaki as they try to uh, create an anime. Uh, oh, as they try to create an anime, and this volume uh, follows their audio engineer uh, Domeki as they explore a ruined clock tower and Azuki's. Um, Aizuken, excuse me, has an exclusive screening set with their rivals. Uh, the story and art comes from uh, Sumito Owara, and it all sounds like a lot of fun according to this article. So, cool. Next up. All right. I was about to say Dark Horse has a long history of mm-hmm. distributing Americanized manga. Yes. That's, you know, th- they were my source of uh, the Americanized versions of Ghost in the Shell and my one of my favorites, Lone Wolf and Cub. Yes. So... Um, you know, Dark Horse has long been in the manga uh, business, ma- manga distribution business, the Americanized version, at least. Yeah, which reminds me of that uh, Humble Bundle set that I uh, that I plunked down on a while back with with all that in it. The Lone Wolf, right, and Cub right, stuff. right, like the yeah. Lone Wolf and Cub, the yeah. Samurai Executioner, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Next that. up, uh, CBR has revealed exclusively revealed that Mark Millar's new vampire series Nightclub is going to be sold to fans at, at an incredibly low price when it launches in December. So it's going to be an extremely low cover price. This book is going to be sold to fans for one ninety nine an issue. Wow, that's a flashback. Right, we haven't seen one ninety nine price in probably upwards of two decades. <laughs> that's a long time, yo. One ninety nine for a comic book. Wow. <laughs> so good that, for him. Yeah, really. I hope it pays off for him. Actually, um, yeah, we don't need to go into what's that about, but it sounds like if it's your cup of tea. Go check it out one way or the other. Yep. Value Entertainment reportedly lays off employees, uh, uh, sadly. Uh, uh, I, I guess. That's no good. Yeah, this is from comicbook.com. Uh, <laughs> as reported by Bleeding Cool, uh, revealing that uh, senior editor Lisa Hawkins has also seemingly left Valiant. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Uh, publisher Fred Pierce is reported to be among those who's along with the company and uh, a bunch of others. So, or a, a bunch, according to this article, a bunch of others. So, that's uh, sad when that tends to happen. Um, so, hopefully, they can land on their feet. Next up, uh, this article, this news is has spoilers for Flashpoint Beyond Number Four. Was that out last week? I believe that's the case. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think so. Well, I'll right? look into that real quick. All right, so DC's Flashpoint Beyond Number 4 sees an angry, hardened Dexter Dent officially become Robin, the boy of terror, making him even more dangerous than Jason Todd. So this is in a book by Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, and Jeremy Adams. Um, so this was a tease at the end of Flashpoint Beyond Number 3. So the Robin, the boy of terror, debuts in the issue in, in number four after Dexter Dent sneaks into Thomas Wayne's Batcave and steals some equipment. So this is very much in the vein of earlier different Robins in the main DC universe. But now it's Dexter Dent, the son of Harvey Dent and Gilda Dent. Batman Bears lost his will. Director got away. Oh, yeah. So I can't can actually confirm without even looking that this is from last week because I remember I had this leftover from last week's uh, spillover. Cover. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dark Crisis. So a major super DC superhero is severely traumatized after Deathstroke shot him. That would be uh, Beast Boy who got shot at the beginning of Dark Crisis. And apparently right. he's a... Uh, I avoided spoiling this when I talked about it. Right. Uh, and this was uh, from a then preview of Dark Crisis number three, which we were talking about last week. Uh, as uh, Agent Seventy said, didn't really go over that part. Uh, but yeah, apparently the uh, he shook after, rightfully so. He's yep. traumatized after being shot. So ain't Next no up. such thing as halfway teen titans. Yeah. Next up, here's another musical reference for you, folks. So, John Kent, this is the son of Carl L. and uh, Lois Lane, will face his biggest challenge in Death of Superman. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So, in an interview with CBR at San Diego Comic-Con, Dan Jurgens revealed that he and the other creators behind the seminal series uh, Death of Superman are working on a project celebrating the 30th anniversary of its debut centered around kal Al's son. In it, John will learn the history of Superman's defeat at the hands of Doomsday, at the same time facing a villain named Doombreaker. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
who is threatening Metropolis, debuting in Death of Superman 30th anniversary special on November 8th of this year. Doombreaker is an entirely new villain with an as yet unrevealed connection to Doomsday. John is set to team up with his dad to fight this new threat, and it promises to be tough for the young hero in more ways than one. Okay. I, I feel like you can't really say it's an entirely new villain if they're tied to a, a villain and almost named similarly to the villain of the last thing. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? I know, I know, I know. But I know. I was just like, hmm, that's, okay, sure. Like, it's a trap! I know. Yeah, exactly. New in name only, uh, and not even much of that. DC announces new Death of uh, Superman special with original creative teams, which technically, I guess, we already kind of went over that with that last article, so we can push on. Next up. All right, Superman John Kent gave his boyfriend Jay Nakamura a new superhero suit and a ring in DC Superman Son of Kal-El number 14 by Tom Taylor and Clay tore me obviously this is spoilers this is spoilers for this issue i think this is also last week um wait is that not this week so what he gets i don't know i didn't i don't have comic list in front of me um but yeah what he gets is a new costume and a flight ring i'm assuming it's a legion flight ring i guess so and when i first saw this article i was like wait is it getting like a flash ring (laughs) i'm assuming it's a legion ring because it says flight right um, it is for this week. Issue, so. Oh, so it is this week. Okay. Yeah. I mean, none of us were reading it, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Next up. One half of DC's Wonder Twins just leveled up their powers. This is a spoiler for DC versus Vampire, which the Vampire's book, which I think was probably from last week or something. Uh, this is issue number eight of the series. See Supergirl steal Black Manta traveling to uh, Australia by boat. When they are set upon by vampires, uh, vampire Aquaman's forces. Excuse me, the whole world is looking for Supergirl, both vampire and humans, uh, being that Kara Zor-El represents one of the last symbols of hope in, for humanity. Uh, and apparently, da, 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 apparently, a water tiger um, shows up, who, and that ends up being Jaina who flexes her new powers uh, obtained from her late brother in the series. So I guess she's, she has the, the Wonder Twins powers, uh, combined powers into herself in this book. Okay, next. <coughs> Bless you. Sorry. No, mm-hmm. no, no, just coughing a little bit. Yeah. All right, so a new DC Webtoon series flips comics' secret identity trope, Vixen's Adventures in New York, shows the strength in trusting friends and family rather than pushing everyone away for their own safety. So this is this has spoilers for Vixen NYC number 12 ahead. So apparently the character decides to entrust her secret identity as a hero and as a and, and her private identity to her friends as opposed to keeping it a secret because you know what it's a massive reversal of the yeah. usual secret identity trope. Which is also weird, and this is so. This is one of those uh, web, DC Webtoon co- collaborations, which, and I also thought that her identity was public anyway. Uh, um, in certain, I guess, in certain versions, but I don't know what version this is. So, irrele- relevant. Uh, Lego Mini Figure Figure Factory is available in the U.S. Um, hashtag Take That Hasbro. 
<laughs> um, Lego has launched a beta for a new online Lego minifigure factory in the U.S. It's easy to use online, too, that lets you configure a minifig in quite a few different ways, including their face, headwear, torso, legs, and accessory. Uh, you can play around it with it at the link in the article. Uh, the custom-made minifigures are eleven ninety-nine. Again, still in beta, so it may not be available uh, if you go to that the, to the link in the article. But nevertheless, at this point, and as long as this article has been out, it's probably fine. So yeah, if you ever wanted to make your own uh, Lego minifigure of yourself or someone you know, hey, there you go. Next up. Fans of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition will finally be able to explore Middle-Earth in pre-written material with the new The Lord of the Rings roleplay. Free League Publishing revealed its latest 5th Edition adaptation during Gen Con, or Gen Con, acting as a 2nd edition to its The One Ring role-playing game. Based on the books by J.R.R. Tolkien and designed by Francesco Nepitello and Marco Maggi, or Maggi, the set includes everything players need to get started, along with the 5th edition-based core rules. It contains six new classes, six heroic cultures from the land of Eriador, Middle-Earth-inspired adversaries, and detailed breakdowns of aspects of the world like its artifact, councils, and particular brands of magic. Let's see. Pricing, 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 pricing. All right. No pricing and no dates yet. Right. Just an announcement. Okay. Uh, yeah, Q1 2023 is about the most uh, we got. But yeah, that was what I was alluding to earlier with the Lord of the Rings uh, and D&D thing. So I don't know if your people would be interested in that. Uh, I'll check. I'll see. New Star Wars game uh, has been announced. Uh, Family F- Little Fantasy Flight Games has announced plans to publish a new Star Wars deck building game. I'm just going to put that in there right uh, right off the top. Uh, the new Star Wars deck building game will be released in 2023 and is being designed by Caleb Grace, one of the lead designers of Marvel Champions, the card game, and Lord of the Rings, the card game. One of those I have in, in my position. Uh, no other details were provided about the game other than the, uh, than the game will be a competitive PvP style game as opposed to a co-op style game, uh, card game. Uh, you can check out the release teaser trailer in the article, uh, if you're so interested and yes, I'm probably going to look for this next up. Spider-Man gets his very own Batcave style headquarters from Lego. So in Lego's attack on the spider lair set, it allows Marvel and Spider-Man fans to take home a home base for the hero similar to Batman's Batcave. So, you know, it's a little bit of Into the Spider-Verse here, you know, where uh, Aunt May kind of has a spider cave for her version of Spider-Man in Into the Spider-Verse. So, uh, you know, if anyone's interested in this, have at it. Yeah, and no Death Star to build either, which is... Yeah, I don't have any... <laughs> I was about to say, I don't have any... Uh, kids who would be into lego of the right age yeah. uh to get this for i kind of miss buying these really expensive lego sets for for uh for kids who would like this mm-hmm. i think their parents all hated me because they hated having legos underfoot but what are you gonna do yeah makes yeah i can that's understandable uh marvel vs. capcom 2 arcade Campbell revealed by arcade one up this happened during uh this past weekend's evo tournaments uh which if you're a fan game fan you already know what that is um, so yeah, Arcade One Up has officially announced uh, the cabinet. Uh, we've talked about similar characters uh, ca- uh, cabinets before. They're like three fourths scaled arcade uh, arcade style cabinets. 
stand-up cabinets uh, that this company is known for uh, making to great effect. Uh, this one will have uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, and as they tend to do, they will they tend to put other games, uh, like-minded games, in the in the cabinet along with it. This one will have uh, Marvel vs. Capcom, Marvel vs. Marvel Superheroes vs. Street Fighter, X Men vs. Street Fighter, Marvel Superheroes, X Men: Children of the Atom, X Men: Mutant Apocalypse, and Marvel Superheroes in War of the Gems. Uh, That's pretty cool. This is probably, you know, like I've talked about getting one of these arcade one-up yeah. cabinets. This is probably the one I will probably, you know, the, these are the games that I would really <laughs> want to play over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought about you when I saw this, but uh, but it was also out of that because I, I like seeing these also because I kind of, this one and that Turtles one that they had, I kind of want to get, but I don't have space for either one of them. In, in right. Here. No, I mean that turtles one, the four player one, the turtles right. in time. Forget right. it, man. I'd call up like old, like the oldest friends that like friends that I don't even talk to that much. Like you know, like we're in like a chat group and maybe we're on Facebook, you know, and, I, and we interact like like a few times a year. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, yo, come over. We're playing turtles in time like we did when we were cutting class back in high school, right? Right. But this, this, this cabinet having all those games on it. That I used to just feed quarters into, like, you know, machines at the student union in college mm-hmm. or in the, cl- the, the, the the pool hall club. Forget it, man. It's funny because, uh, yeah, the, the Evo, like, the, the went on this weekend. And I didn't, they, were, they didn't have, like, NBC there, but, you know, um, like, they had, like, Dragon Ball and Tekken and that kind of stuff. Right. It, it had me uh, pulling up... Uh, um, uh, um, UV, UCV3, UMCV3. So, uh, Capcom versus Ultimate, uh, Capcom versus Marvel 3. Just for like mm-hmm. five or ten minutes to kind of futz around with that. Like I said, the last good one because let's face it, Infinite was not great. But, um, I'm like, yeah, I remember this. This is great stuff. Like I said, no pricing on this that I, that I see, but their pre orders are expected to start on September 8th with a retail launch this fall. And I know some of these end up showing up in Walmart and or various places of the like. So you can, at the very least, look at some of the stuff if you're not sure about it. Anyway, next up. Next up, Marvel's Midnight Suns video game has been delayed a a second time. And while it doesn't seem to be a long delay, uh, we're now uh, without a clear release date for the Firaxis Tactical RPG. Okay, so it's it's expected to arrive later this fiscal year, which for Take-Two means sometime before... March of 2023, but there's no specific date yet. Additionally, only PC, PS4, and Xbox Series X and S players will get to jump in on that date. The PS4, Xbox One, PS5, I, I, I'm assuming this is a typo. The PS5, Xbox One, and Switch versions are planned for even later. Okay. Wait, what's the... No, no I don't think that's a typo. Are you saying... Oh, you see I see what you're saying. PS4? Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah, got I'm PS4. Assuming on the first one is correct, and the right, second one should and this be is PS5. Yes, yes, that's yes. the only logical way. Well, actually, the first one would be PS5, given that number, and the second one is PS4. So technically, the, first, oh, okay. the second one is right. All right, I wasn't is... sure which. I wasn't sure if 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 the Series X Xbox was the new one or the right. one was the new one. Yeah, that's how far out of gaming I am, folks. Don't flame me. Don't 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 take shots at me because I will come right back at you. And that man's busy. Leave him alone. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, hey, look, I, I'm not opposed to letting folks as long as they get it right and it's not not too buggy, you know. Let let it, you know, 
they're not doing it for no crazy reason. Let the uh, game get as much time as it needs to come out. Like I said, it's before physical year, so I don't know if they're, so I don't know if it's being delayed because they they want to have something in their in that physical uh, fiscal year, or they're just actually still working on it because that was why they pushed it the first time. Anyway, uh, World of EPI reveals new collectible doll line inspired by Black Panther World of Wakanda Forever. Um, so we have the leading multicultural doll pioneer, Dr. Lisa Williams and the world of EPI authentically designed the fresh dolls, fierce collection in collaboration with Marvel to bring the strong, powerful and brilliant warrior characters from the film to life. Uh, series one is slated to hit retail in this October features 11.5 inch articulated collectible dolls based on the lead characters, Shuri Okoye and Nakia. Um, created with uh, great attention to detail. These dolls uh, feature striking character likenesses, custom blended skin tones, uh, authentic and first of its kind, innovative hairstyles, intricate fashions, and replica playable battle accessories. Excuse me. World of EPI is the first to mass produce natural locks hairstyle worn by Nakia in the film. And if you're watching the uh, uh, the, the uh, video version, you can see the styles for them for yourselves. Um, I'm not seeing a price here, but um, there you go. Next up. Next up. So in uh, Hasbro Marvel Legends news, the Hasbro team revealed. The latest wave of MCU-inspired Marvel Legends, the Build-A-Figure, and this is basically what everyone's calling the wave. It's the Conchu wave. The Build-A-Figure is Conchu uh, after the character's rendition in the Moon Knight Disney Plus series. Other figures in this wave include uh, a zombie Iron Man. Uh, Jimmy Woo, which is really cool. The, the, likeness to Rand- the likeness of Randall Park is actually pretty good. If you zoom in, you know, from far away, it doesn't look that great. But if you zoom in, it's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also includes the classic Loki as played by, I forget the actor's name, but this is the classic Loki from the Loki TV show. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Richard something. I can't remember. Right. I forget his name. Yeah. Um, let's see here. There is a zombie Scarlet Witch. There is also... Uh, the He Who Returns, He Who Remains, that is, He Who re- Remains from Loki as well, who is a, var- a, a Kang variant that we're going to see more of. And also a Howard the Duck, who's Ooh. not very articulated, but it's still pretty fun to see Howard the Duck in full Marvel Legends form. Yep. And uh, as... Um... Agent 70 was talking. I'm scrolling through the uh, article showing the figures. Right. He also comes with an animated Scott Lang's head. Of course. Right. And, um, and, I th- and I was about to say, and I think finally they have a revised MCU version of the Red Skull. Oh, okay. So this is, this is from, I guess, the, uh, the animated um, What If version, but it definitely looks like um, the MCU version from the movies. It's just a different uh, costume, but the skull looks very much like the other um, red skulls that have been put out for the MCU version of this, uh, you know, uh, for the uh, Marvel legend of this MCU character. Right. 
They've they've gotten way better with their moldings because that uh, that that uh, he who mains uh, looks looks kind of spot on for Jonathan Majors. So they yeah, their their process has been quite refined <laughs> at this point. Definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, and that's one of the reasons why people are they're they're they're, they're getting people to rebuy some characters that they already own because mm-hmm. they're being put out on these new bucks. And I've talked about what buck means: mm-hmm. the new character mold, the new body molds. They're being put out on new body molds and being repainted, and they're obviously refining their process, uh, their entire process, including the facial uh, the facial scanning to create the the facial sculpts. So uh, everything seems to be moving in you know s- you know small and medium sized increments when it comes to these Marvel Legends. So you know it's one one way they're able to get people to rebuy characters they already own. Yeah. Um, and that, then I guess that, that, and also that thing that you can make your own figure, uh, in that, uh, Marvel teases the arrival of a mysterious new eternal. Uh, this is, uh, spoilers for, uh, AXE Eve of Judgment, which is like a couple weeks ago, I think, but long story short, um, a, an eternal got brought up during the course of that, uh, uh, issue, which I totally don't remember, uh, that, uh, apparently they even the story says well we'll come back to that another time <laughs> so uh as of yet we haven't seen uh um oh it's uh the delphin brothers count as two long stories so counting them as two uh why are there 101 on the list we'll return uh to that for on another time so yeah there's there's another eternal in the mix that uh that uh, will probably show up at some point, probably near the end of this here um, event. Next up. An ancient Wakandan threat is unleashed in Black Panther Unconquered. So, you know, uh, cued to be a, in conjunction with the release of the upcoming Wakanda, the upcoming Black Panther sequel, that is. Um, Marvel Comics will also publish a special one-shot call uh, titled black panther unconquered number one written by brian edward hill former guest of the show and drawn by alberto foce duarte um it's supposed to be an ideal entry point into the world of black panther mythology perfect for longtime fans and newcomers okay we'll see uh greg park returns to planet hulk in new sequel series so greg park teams up with artist uh, manuel garcia for planet hulk Warbreaker coming this november um Again, uh, sequel to Planet Hulk, which I've never read. Uh, Agent 70 has, as he has told me many times before, previously. Actually, not many. They haven't come up that often. So. <laughs> not as much as Future Imperfect. Right. Uh, it's five-issue limited series. It'll take place a thousand years into the future and present a shocking expansion and culmination of the mythos of Sakaar. Uh, Pac will be joined by the aforementioned artist Manuel Garcia. And... Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, 11, uh, November 30th is when this goes on sale, the first issue. Next up. Good for him. Yeah. Really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that Planet Hulk stuff, and I'm, I'm glad to see Greg Pak come back to uh, the Marvel fold and uh, tell some more of that stuff. I'm assuming this is in the vein of Marvel Le- of X-Men Legends, where it kind of fills in some gaps between the end of Planet Hulk and then World War Hulk. Right. Or I get well, yeah. I was about to say, or those uh, Peter David things, but that's actually going before uh, right. the events of what happened. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of curious what they haven't done yet 
because I'm trying I'm sitting here trying to think of what events haven't they revisited at this point. Um, right. Anyway, well, next up. well, this is you know it's a big anniversary year. True, I know, so, but but anyway, uh, you know this, these are some spoilers for Spider-Man 2099 Exodus number five, which is on sale now. It's from last week. So in this issue, uh, it was the official debut of the new X-Men 2099 team. So it's interesting that um, Steve Orlando and artist Kim Jacinto put in this new group of X-Men 2099 characters. There's some, there's a few holdovers from current uh, X-Men, but there's quite a few new ones. Yeah. Um, neither one of us were reading that, so there's that. Right. <laughs> uh, Marvel announces new Deadpool series. It's the first one, and I think it's in about a year or so, according to this article. Uh, November, let's see. Yeah, new era for Deadpool begins in November with Deadpool number one, kicking off a new ongoing series from Alyssa Wong and Martin uh, Cocolo. Uh, promises a riotous violence and relentless body horror, uh, according to this article. And like I said, it's the first one since uh, the last, the previous volume wrapped in 2021 of January, to be exact. So, if you're a Deadpool fan, there you go, I guess. Next. Marvel Mission Test Kitchen's Tonkatsu Torta. Okay, so this is a part of a debut. This is in the debut issue of a brand new Infinity comic on Marvel Unlimited. So Test Kitchen Infinity comic number one has a kickoff issue, uh, and it's a new monthly series from the Marvel Unlimited Infinity Comics lineup. I haven't looked at this yet. And it features recipes that will transform readers into culinary superheroes. It's written by Michelin star chef... Paul Eschbach, with art by uh, E.J. Sue. Test Kitchen follows high-end chef Anna Amayama and her appetizing adventures, and each issue of this vertical app-exclusive series features a recipe by Eschbach himself. Okay. I, I can't say with this with this one, but they have done, they have made print versions of uh, certain Infinity uh, um, comics. Whether this one comes to, comes to it, I feel like this one probably seems more likely, but who's to say? Um, I mean, listen, you know, we've been living the the, 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 the the pandemic life for so long. We're all halfway bad cooks now. Forget halfway decent cooks. <laughs> so, you know, obviously with lockdowns being, you know, hopefully, knock on wood, a thing of the past. And, mm. you know, with the, the rules on uh, quarantining being eased, we're all going to be able to go out and eat more. But at the same time it's still good to exercise the muscles that um, are involved when it comes to cooking, including the mental muscles. Indeed. Cause ain't no such thing as halfway cooks. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Next up. <laughs> Marvel's new protagonist of damage control embodies a major office character. So this is for, um, um, Damage Control, which is getting a new series uh, this November? Uh, yeah, the uh, Damage Control's main protagonist, Gus, is an unassuming fellow in the vibrant Marvel Universe. And to, to bring him to life, series uh, writers Adam F. Goldberg and Hans uh, Roydenoff channeled The Office, because of course they did. Uh, see, there was an interview with CBR, yada, yada, yada. Um, 
August 24th is when the first issue of Damage Control um, is going to come out with artwork by Will Robson and Jay Foskett. There. Next up. Last but not least, go behind the mask and on the cover in a preview of the Common Writer comic book. So, um, so this is going to be put out by Titan Comics. Hmm. And Roddy Cat's going to scroll through. I'm going to look for the pricing. Oh, so this is going to be hit. This is going to hit shelves on November 23rd. No word yet on how much this is going to be cover price. Probably like your $3.99, but who, yeah, we don't. Yeah, more likely than not. Yeah. Might check this out when this, uh, when the, when that comes out. But nevertheless, until then, we got some time. And that's it, folks, for the news section. Get one more last ad read, please. Yeah, we've been at this a while tonight, folks. It is late, thanks to the Gremlins. So our last ad read is the best because it's the shortest and quickest. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through cspn.us. Do it today. And folks, that is it for the show. And it was a long one. Apologies, well, apologies for that. We had gremlins, but if you I mean, but if you weren't here for the video version, you wouldn't know that. So it doesn't matter. Anyway, I have been a Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nerds Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, PC underscore dirt on Twitter. Popcorn.net on Twitter. Popcorn.network.com is all those umbrella sites there in. Tim D O G G nine eight, uh, the Osiris that is ish. You can find him at Twitter at Tim D O G G nine eight. You can find him at CB Cron, which is the Comic Book Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You can also find him at uh, the Click Nation. That's T H E. Oh Jesus, T H E K L I Q N A T I O N. Almost had it uh, on Twitter. You can also find him at theclicknation.com. And you can also find him at comebook.com where he's over there writing his face off. You can find us here podcast on the Coastal Zone Podcast Network. That's ESPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Zone Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you can find us recording each uh, and every Thursday night, with uh, with certain exceptions, on Twitch.tv slash Combat Chronicles and YouTube.com slash Click The Click Nation. That's nine thirty ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Catch it. Uh, we'll be back next week, folks. She Hulk will be out. Um, yeah. the day we record, so that's going to be a little prickly, but we're, we're going to do yeah. what we do. I mean, you know, I don't know how long that first episode will be. I'm going to hope to try to be able to watch it over breakfast, so we'll see. Yeah. Indeed. So, one way or another, we'll have some sort of impressions on it or something they're on, they're on back. Um, and whatever else comes about. 
nevertheless, this has been the Cumber Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. My time is up. Peace up to Brooklyn. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's it's Doctor Doom? What's on your